It's very important that you don't forget that he had his jaw blown off. His jaw was blown off. Jaw off. Jaw off. No more jaw. Jaw blown off. His jaw was just blown right off. Stop using NLP on us, John. Where there should be jaw, there there is jaw no more. Because it was blown off. Allegedly. What a time to be alive. So I was just sitting here listening, guys, and you all went quiet, so... What have I missed? Well, Rollo... John Lamont is in the house. Yeah, I'm here. I thought you knew I was here, man. I popped in like five minutes ago and I... No, I don't. Uh, I, sometimes my phone is... I leave my phone off, the screen off, so if you pop in, I don't hear. It doesn't even make a noise. So I did not know you were here. Yeah, I'm here, man. I was just listening. I'm not uh, doing anything else with my Saturday night, so... I thought I'd pop on a Discord, right. and sure enough, you guys are here, so I thought I'd listen in, and then the conversation went quiet, so I thought I'd say hello, so why not? All right. So hello, hello to hello. you guys, and hello, hello to uh, all of the fakeologists out there. Hope everyone's well. All right. Hello. Hello. You uh, got a lot of uh, airtime with A.A. Morris, but he's the topic du jour de week, I would say. Uh, yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true, but um, I think the the big takeaway is that Noah Posner's jaw was blown off. I think that is the big takeaway from the podcast. And we should never forget that his jaw was blown off. Jaw off. I no more jaw. I, I jaw didn't gone. even know that. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that was you know part that? of the story. I did not know that was part of the no, story at all. Either. But I know it now, and I'll never forget. Jaw off. No more jaw. Noah Posner. Yeah. Jaw. Let's see if this is even part of the story. Yeah, it's pretty Oh, yeah, bad, here it is, in the, Guardian, in the Guardian, in theguardian.com. See, I didn't even know what yeah. uh, Leonard Posner looked like until literally five seconds ago. And uh, the, only why, the, the only reason I knew that guy's name is because I used to watch the one-eyed YouTuber name, How I See the World, because I liked the, the phone call. Oh, the eye patch guy. He, Rob, you mean yeah, Robin the, the eye patch guy? guy. Yeah, do you, did you actually yeah. believe that he really had an eye problem, or did you think the eye patch was just a prop? Uh, I could go either way on that. I didn't really care either way. I always suspected it was just a prop. Yeah, it could be. I can't prove it, neither can you, but it doesn't bother me. No, 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 me. I'm not saying I can either prove way. anything. I'm just saying that was my suspicion. Uh, sure. Good I can tell you now, Abbott, <coughs> this is in The Guardian. This is an article from The Guardian published last year. And it says here, yeah, his jaw was blown off, as was his left hand, and his beloved Batman shirt. Batman shirt? Are you kidding me? In the same sentence, I've just discovered this live on the air on September 29, 2018, chatting with my friends from Fakeologist. I literally did not know this story until just now. It turns out that one of the victims of Sandy Hook, apparently one of the the main victims in the, in the way that the news tells the stories. They've usually got one or two favourites for some reason. And so one of the favourites yes. is uh, he was wearing a Batman shirt. Now, Ab or Vela said, would I, either of you like to guess why I find this particular tidbit particularly interesting? Because it links to Aurora, well, one of the big three. Yeah. And yeah, not only one of the big Batman three, but you know that in that film, Batman, which, whichever Batman that one was, The Dark Knight Returns or whatever, there's a Sandy Hook shown on the screen. Yeah. The like there's, there's, there's a scene where a guy is looking at a map. Out. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. There's a scene where a guy is looking at a map, yeah, and Sandy Hook is literally shown on the screen. 
And, and of course, in, Are you in talking about the, the town, that's where Aurora shootings. Yeah, that's because to me, no, it's no. The big but three. what was what was shown on the screen? The San, the the Sandy Hook, Hook. And and the nine Sandy Hook. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a yeah, town and of course, on the map. Yeah, it's a, it's a town on the map. Oh, okay, it's shown town. like for it's a, put a it on second. The map, that's for sure. Yeah, and then it's and then of course town, the man. the bad guy in that shooting was the Joker. Yeah. Okay, he, he had the Joker hairstyle. Remember the dude who supposedly did the Batman shooting had a crazy red hairstyle. He looked like a Joker, right? That was that was the story. And then in the other one of the big three, which was Boston Bombings. Boston Bombings, you got Joe Kastanev. Exactly. He's actually Joker. That's his name. Joker Kastanev. Joker. So you've got the Joker. You've got Joker. And then in Sandy Hook, you've got the kid wearing the Batman top. Yeah. They're pretty weak. I didn't didn't know about this Batman top. They're all all links. Well, regardless, John, I think you should stop talking about this poor kid that died. I I really think you should quit it. no, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not, not going to use any sound effects tomorrow night to, to make fun of that at all, whatsoever. I could hope not, especially because his jaw was blown off. Jaw, off. Okay? Jaw was there, jaw no longer there. Jaw We're going to need a bigger boat. If someone was well, listening John, to this out of context... Morris might be a super fan. What do you think of that idea? Did you read my conversely passage in my post on, on A.E. Morris, uh, an improper... Gander. I, will, I, I haven't. Sorry, I'm going to go and reread it now because I might have missed it the first time around. But I have to give you credit. I know I've already given you credit. I'm going to do it again. That is a terrific yeah, blog post yeah. uh, title. That's yeah, that's pure you. genius. Uh, you uh, you have a gift, my friend. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. I was just trying did to. You, did you laugh out loud when you proper. thought of that? Like you know when you get a good idea in your head. This happens to me sometimes. Like I actually laugh. Like uh, sometimes an idea will pop into my head and I'll find it so funny I'll start laughing. Did you laugh when you thought of that title? No. 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 It made I me don't laugh. laugh much. Yeah, me same. Thank yeah. you. I don't I'll take as many much. black pills. I, I don't laugh so much these days. <laughs> I never laugh. I've never been a laugher, but yeah, I I thought it was catchy. But I didn't think it's too hard much. To hear you it. laugh, John, the way your mic mute, your mic mutes out. But there's a few times I've had a few good one-liners lately. I've heard you get. So I know I know there's a bit of humour in there somewhere. Oh no, I've, I still like to think I've got some kind of sense of humour, but you know, you swallow once for me, black pills, yeah. and you'll never be the same again, unfortunately. That's just the nature of reality. Maybe I'll... But I think maybe, like, eventually I will perk up again. Like, I think it's... Happiness is, like, an environmental thing as well. And perhaps, uh, at the moment, I'm surrounded by too many people who, uh... They don't energise me. Do you know what I mean? So perhaps a change of uh, location will help to bring back the, uh... The laughter. But, um... But I tell you what gave me a laugh the other day was that title from abbotfakeologist.com. That was terrific. But people listening to this out of context will have no idea what I'm talking about. Why is JLB talking about a jaw being blown off? Because there's a guy who has been doing podcasts. He's done over 200 podcasts, and a lot of people seem to like and respect him, and that's fair enough. And and in the last two weeks, he has been repeating the phrase, his jaw was blown off, speaking about a child who allegedly died in the Sandy Hook alleged tragedy. Okay, now regardless of whether you think people did die or not in that event, why would any person repeat the phrase, jaw blown off? Like hundreds, I'm talking literally hundreds of times. Why would someone do that, man? That is very peculiar behaviour. Even manic. if you think the event was real. Even if you think the event was real. Why would you keep saying that over and over? Yeah, it's manic, it's manic. I think what he, what I was trying to say is I think that he is trying to show fakeologists this is how we look to the outside world. And the Honor.com network, which I didn't realize, I've never been to the website until he pointed it out. That is supposed to be the website of 
the father of a victim of a fake event. And he is trying to, he's coined the word hoaxer, which I suppose is a, a progression of the word truther. So a hoaxer is more deep into finding makes me think truth. auto hoaxer though as well. Yeah, auto hoaxer, yeah. But that's a, that's a phrase that they've attributed to him. And he's trying to make hoaxers look crazier than truthers. And he says, he's trying to make it a, I guess, a mental disorder to question or to be associated with a hoaxer. I think that's what he's getting at. Do you think that's kind of like, um, almost like a piece of avant-garde performance art? By A.A. Morris? Mm. Well. He does have some good points. It could go both ways. It could go both ways. I don't know if, I don't know if he's on our side. I don't think he is. But it's somewhat ambiguous. If he's trying to tell us that we look crazy to the outside world, I can see that. But he is, by doing so, he comes across as even crazier. So if he's trying to make us look crazy, then he looks crazier. But who here, who has been here for more than a year or two, doesn't already completely understand that all of this is crazy to the outside world? 100% insane to them. Who doesn't already understand that? Yes. I'll give you an example. Today is grand final day in Australia for people who come from Victoria, WA, uh, South Australia. Today is our grand final day. Tomorrow is grand final day for people from New South Wales and Queensland. It's a bit strange. But the point is, everyone today watches the game of football, right? So today I did that with an old buddy of mine. And then after the game, we came back here and uh, I actually showed him that coincidence, the Armistice Day license plate. And I simultaneously showed it to two other people. So there's four of us in the room, and I'm saying to them, listen, what do you know about World War I? What's the story? And they knew the general details. Yeah, some guy shot some guy, and, uh, you know, one thing led to another. Next thing, millions of people are dead. Yeah? And I was like, cool, let me show you the license plate, man. And, uh, and I, wasn't trying to <laughs> I wasn't trying to prove anything to them. I just wanted to get their reaction to it. And uh, sure enough, same thing as always. It's like the, the idea that you would even think about this is crazy to the, to the so-called outside world. This is just the world we live in, man. We don't need hours and hours of avant-garde performance art with repetition of key phrases such as jaw blown off to know that. We, uh, I don't know, man. The whole thing's bizarre. I can't explain it. I did my best in my, the comment that I yes. left on your post. That's the best I can do to try and explain my thoughts on the matter because it's just bizarre stuff, man. Bizarre, I'll bizarre have to stuff. go back and read that because I'm keen to follow up a bit more on people's opinion of it outside of voice chat. But, I mean, the nature of art is to provoke a reaction, right? And if anything, that, that did sort of bring home to me and remind me of how people perceive what I, what I believe and sort of I yes. think a lot of his gist yes. was driving towards how we're really spending our lives as well, which I think that's something that I, it's nice to be reminded of occasionally. Like, do I think this is really going to affect anything? Yes. How am I spending my time? Um, things like that. Like, certain, certainly the idea of, you know, not, not having a productive day's work. And I know he took a crack at you, JLB, about how you work three days a week. And I know you couldn't tell whether it was a, a criticism or a compliment that you don't work five or you don't, you don't work two or whatever the, the combination is there. So. Well, not, not, to, not to interrupt you, but there's, a, there's another dimension to that, which is that, yeah, I work my normie job, my regular person job, uh, two or three days a week most weeks. But that doesn't mean I spend the rest of my week doing nothing. I spend the rest of my week working on the website. So... Which is actually starting to make money. So it's like, if the criticism is that I'm not working enough, well, actually, the opposite is true. If anything, I work too much. If the criticism 
like when you actually think through it, it's uh, it's it's just a bizarre it's just bizarre stuff, isn't it? It's truly bizarre. But his criticisms you, of me, his criticisms of me, just let me um, get this idea off my chest. His criticisms of me were nothing. Like okay, he, he he's criticizing me in one way or another for how I live my life. Okay, fair enough. That was nothing compared to what he said about several other people. Like, um, I got off lightly compared to compared to a few other people, you know. So, so if this is like a performance piece of artwork, like an avant-garde piece of artwork, like a meta, like a meta-level performance, if that's what he's doing, it, it, you don't need to throw in all of the stuff he said about all the other people. Do you know what I mean? It's I just well, can't explain. It. I can't, I'm, I'm, yeah. It's totally slanderous. But what he what he said about Chris, and uh, I I thought it was. Not good, and I, I didn't even see that gun thing with Chris before. At least I don't remember seeing it because I download uh, most YouTube audios. I take the stream and listen to it. I don't sit in front of my computer and watch an audio video presentation. So I did not see the gun part. That was not even mentioned in an audio version. So I didn't even no one even mentioned it that Chris was going off like that. But uh, I don't. I don't know if it, Chris was doing it deliberately or allegedly he has bi- he's bipolar, so if he was having an alleged episode, I, I, I have no idea. But I had not, not seen that for sure. And he didn't mention it, so I didn't even know about it. But the things he was calling Chris were very slanderous. But what gets me is who... Okay, who, what kind of man thinks about other people that way? Even before you start saying it in a public setting, like a, a podcast or whatever, and he, his podcasts weren't live, so he, this is there's a certain level of premeditation to it. What kind of yeah. people actually think those thoughts about each other? You know, like even even people who want to hate on me or people who hate on you, Ab, or if uh, Velocet keeps putting out content of his own, then he will attract his own haters as well. It just comes with the territory. But even those haters, do they really think these kinds of thoughts? About the people they hate. Well, I'll give you an example. Yeah, I used to hate on Joe Rogan, right? I used to be a Joe Rogan hater. But by that, I simply mean if someone brought him up to me, I would just say, "Nah, his podcast is crap. He went back on the moon landing, or just just dumb, trivial criticism." That that is all. That is as much thought as I gave them. The idea that someone would have these kinds of thoughts running through their head, like even that to me is uh, is eye opening in a way. If you get what I'm trying to say, like is this is this how some of the other humans actually? lead their lives, like these kinds of thoughts are going through their heads about people. Yeah, and he's saying that we spend too much time doing this. How much time would it have taken to cut up a two-hour episode times 10 or 15? That's a, that's many hours. Oh, yes, yeah, like a lot of effort's gone into this. But, but can you see where I'm going with my questions here, Rab? It's like, it's got me... And, and the timing of this is, for me personally, almost almost fortuitous. So I'm not saying that... I'm glad that this has all happened. I'm just saying, in terms of the timing, it's kind of worked out well for me in the sense that lately I've been thinking a lot about this idea that a lot of humans are very similar to non-player characters. That is, they don't have any internal dialogues, they don't reflect on their own memories, they don't reconsider their own opinions. They're actually no different to a programmable character in a lot of, in a lot of ways, right? So I've been thinking about that a lot lately. And then, so I've been thinking about what is in other people's heads, okay? What is actually going on in other people's minds? Like, I've been trying to sort of get a better idea of yeah. it. And then all of a sudden, we've got a guy who apparently people... Because I haven't been... I, I stopped listening to his podcast after like episode 10 or 15. It just I just realized it wasn't worth my... For me personally, it just wasn't worth my 
my listening time. Yeah, me so too. I moved, me so too. I just moved. So I just moved yeah. on. But apparently, people have been listening to him for 200 episodes. Apparently, so it's like this is a person who has some kind of audience, some kind of respect. Is are the things that he's been saying on these episodes lately? Are these representative of what is actually going on in his head off the air? And is it representative of what's going on in people's heads? Like, is this how is this how some humans actually spend their their conscious thought energy thinking these kinds of things about each other? And I'm starting to think, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe this is actually the way some people interact with the world is thinking these kinds of thoughts about other humans. Well, like I was saying earlier, he's definitely a super fan to have listened to and know about all the characters in the what you call the act realm. He has an in-depth knowledge, in-depth knowledge, and he's right up to date on the latest episode. So that's a lot of work. Very well studied on lots of little interactions that have taken place over the last year. Yes, yes. Sure, but we would all know that. I mean, a lot of the stuff that he was saying is stuff that all of us on this call would be well familiar with as well. So, yes. So, I mean, if I you said to me... I got all the references, I think. Yeah, you got all the references. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why this has been such a compelling little saga or meltdown is because... Yeah. Because there's not many of us who know all of these uh, details, right? So, he's a person no, who... No, no, no way. He's a person who we can almost... We can almost relate to, the, to some of the subject matter in the sense that we know all the same names and personalities and, um, and dramas and that kind of thing. Do you call him a super fan? Uh, I would have to see your definition of superfan. Have you got like... Because, you know, on my website, Ab, what I've done is I've got a page where I put all of the definitions of the terms oh, yeah. I use, like my own little um, glossary in a sense. I think you, if you haven't already oh, right. done that, you should. I think that might be worth... Yeah, uh, okay. Well, is there anywhere on your website where I can find, like, your definition of superfan? I can just check. Let me have a look. No, 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 no. That's, that's not even my word. That's That's probably another stern reference. Yeah, well, that's where Stern Fan Network came from. That's right. A super fan is just someone who's completely engaged. Yeah, more they understand than every normal. aspect of the the whole world, yeah. or the universe of a yeah. particular subject. So, the way Fakeologist has all its cast of characters in that sense, and people talk about their own yeah. individual dramas and issues, and to be deeply involved with all that subject matter, not just the subject they're talking about. But the actual inter, yes. you know, inter, the dynamics of the relationships of everybody. Yes, yes, yes. For instance, well, we've just been looking at the definition. Yeah, I've just been looking at the definition on Wikipedia. It just says like a very enthusiastic fan. So if if we're if we're looking yeah. at um, his interest in this theme, then yeah. But again, all of us are engaged in this enough that we would be too. I mean, like I know more about Europeans on the world than I know about the opinions of many of my friends and family and colleagues and these kinds of things. There are people online who I've never met who in some ways that I think are far more important, I know them better than I know many of the the, the so-called real people in my so-called real life, you know. And I think that goes for most of us. You know, maybe on your website, Ab, there might be one, two dozen people who, who are similar, maybe a few dozen on my website, same thing, one or two dozen people. I'm sure on Hoaxbusters, on their Discord, again, all of these um, particular platforms in this scene would all have their own um, group of people who are, yeah, we, we do spend a lot of time listening to the, to the same podcasts and the same people and that kind of thing. So. 
that's why this can be such confusing territory because in a normal life you would be discouraged from making too many friends online like that would be considered unhealthy but for most of us we we, we can really relate to the people here in a way that we can't to most other people so what choice do you have but to to take it a little more seriously yeah and we're living in a time of of great change in the sense that so far as recorded history can tell us there's never been a time like this where we can have these kind of i just got okay i get home from watching the football hang out with the friend for a little bit and then he goes off to do his thing for the evening i decide you know what don't want to go to the cafe to work on the website tonight i'm feeling too lazy so i jump on discord now i'm talking to some dude from the sunny shores of lake ontario you know in in real time straight away this is still a relatively new thing that i can click a button be talking to you guys and uh, and of course there's more to it because some of us upload videos or pictures of ourselves so people know what we look like they get an idea of who we are and and it, of course this is all increasing all of this is happening um you know very quickly so so like my views on all of this have changed quite a lot even in just the last couple of months where you know for, for a long time i sort of would say to people look you don't have any friends here there are no friends here but i'm starting to come around to this idea of well what is a friend okay because most of the so-called friendships that I see among the normies, they're not real friendships either. It's like one parrot says one thing, the other parrot says another thing. There's no real um, real exploration of each other's uh, genuine thoughts and ideas and these kinds of things. So, but, but they are real friendships. They give people meaning yeah. and, and happiness. And, and so it is... I'm not saying that their friendships are not real. I'm saying I actually have closer to what I consider a friendship with a lot of people online than what I see is considered friendship in the real world. So I've gone from thinking there are no friends online and you should never see people online as friends to thinking, well, I have to, I really have to reconsider all of this at this point in time. And, and then if I can sort of jump ahead a little bit, imagine that we get to a stage where like virtual reality headsets, right, which still are very foreign to, to all of us on this call, people in their 20s, 30s and 50s or whatever. Well, to children coming through now, virtual reality headsets are not going to be foreign at all. And in my opinion, it won't be long before you get home from work or from a day watching football, you put on your virtual reality headset and you walk into a a virtual room with, it might not be Ab and Velestead, it might be whoever it is, it doesn't doesn't matter. Now, of course, you're not really in a room, but you kind of are in a room with them now because you're seeing it, you're experiencing it. And so at what point does this virtual uh, world, at what point do you say it's real, okay? If me just talking to you but I can't see you two right now, if this is not real, okay, fine. What if I put on my VR headset and I sit on my couch and I can see you two while speaking, so now I'm seeing and hearing. Is that real? Oh, no, no, because you still can't touch them. Well, if we were friends hanging at a bar, I wouldn't be touching you anyway, right? I would be seeing you and listening to you. So this John Benet Ramsey Laban guy wants to go around the world and touch people and look into people's eyes and... And he thinks that your friends oh, are yeah, yeah. can be more important <laughs> than the people in your real life. Do you listen to this guy, John, Benet, Ramsey, Laban? Laban That's good. Ramsey, That's good. But Benet. you need to throw more. You need to throw more guys in there. That was the other thing too. It was jaw blown off and guy. It got to the stage where he must have said the word guy like ten or twenty times a minute. It was extreme, wasn't it? It was. Uh, yeah. Like well, you did an imitation of him, Bella said. You, you, you're going to have triggered him. You've triggered him now. You're on the radar now, buddy. Oh, yeah. Did you know that Jay Dyer and John Adams practice doing Alex Jones? They sit around practicing it. They practice doing Alex Jones. Did you know that? There are people who sit around wanting to impersonate, 
wanting to impersonate people. I'm sitting there listening to this thinking, what, how is that a problem? Like, I, I admire yeah, Jay Dyer and John Adams' impersonations of Alex Jones. Like, it's, it's a true talent Jay, that they've got. Jay, I wish I could do that. But Jay Dyer, Jay Dyer crying that he lost his WordPress site, that, you have to admit that was over the top act. That well, it's not, it's not about whether I admit it or not. I, I don't know if you saw my video, but I made a video saying that, look, if this is real, then, then Jay Dye has my sympathy. But, but I, I was making a video no. kind of saying to people, if this is real in the sense of you, you would hopefully question other people doing this. So, you know, hopefully we're using that same critical capacity in our brains to analyse what Jay's doing right now. And, um, yeah, that was very bizarre, wasn't it? It was all the behaviour. That's a fact. <laughs> I had the opportunity. Did he raise his hand? <laughs> Thank you. Go. Bella said. I Thank kept you. him quiet all this time and almost forgot about him. <laughs> all I did was, that's a fact. That's our safe word. Thank you, mate. Uh, thank you, John LeBon. Thank you, Faco. Uh, thank you, Bella said. We'll see you here tomorrow night with uh, a big production tomorrow night uh, with hopefully Johnny Clues, everybody. You guys have a good night. I'll um, see you tomorrow night because I forgot it was the long weekend. And and it turns out West Coast got up over the collie wobbles. <laughs> fucking collie wobbles. <laughs> My friend is a fucking big Collywood fan. Oh, jeez. Yeah. No idea what you're this saying. This is our pre-promotion tomorrow night. Yeah, tomorrow night tomorrow will be our big yeah. production. So, um, yeah, like, um, werewolves in London. Good on you, Faco. <laughs> good on you, JLB. Good on you, um, Bella. Bye. Rollo, will you be sober tomorrow? All right, gone. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I'm good. I promise. Good. You're much better sober. That's my heart. I hope to die. All right. All right. I hope not. Be good. Johnny, be good. Be good, be good. Be good, be good, be good. Right. Be good, Johnny. Interesting time to schedule a show like tomorrow night is the NRL grand final so that's like the I mentioned earlier there's two grand final days in Australia one for half the country one for the other half well the other half is tomorrow night so and given that Rollo given that Rollo just don't want to watch the Emperor's Circus well what else do people do with their time this is another thing I've been thinking about lately it's like I have been pouring my life into building a website for two years to the point where I don't even really know what other people do with their spare time. And, and lately I've been asking people, like, what do you actually do with your spare time? What do you do with it? What, what do people do a with their spare time? A lot of people don't have spare time. Well, what are they doing? They're, they're taking up all their time. Absorbing speeds on Facebook and Instagram. And sleeping. Well, a lot of people work, eat, and sleep. Now, how much do they work? Eight hours a day. Eight That's still lose several hours. Eating. Okay, let's set aside. No, a lot of people, a lot of people work more than that here. For what? Like, well, why are they working... Say they're working 10 hours a day. Why are they doing that? Because that's what's required to maintain a lifestyle that they're accustomed to. But but you're telling me they're not actually doing anything because they don't have a spare time. So, like, what lifestyle? I know. Exactly. Well, that's, that's a North American thing. I don't know if it's an Australian thing, but North America, yeah, there's a lot of people that work a lot of hours. No, I think there's at least and, in Australia uh, eight hours a day the normie has that just gets frittered away on stuff that's completely unproductive easily. Television, absorbing social media. Yeah, people will tell you they're busy, but our lives have never been less clutter-free. We don't have to, 
you know, you've got washing machines and dishwashers, all this great technology that actually lightens the workload of a housewife, you know, 50 years ago, yet people have you believe that they're so flat out, and it's all an illusionary busyness uh, yeah, and taken also, up by, by social media. Yeah, and also I know people who say that they spend a lot of time with their children, but from what I observe, this is not the case at all. Like, they don't actually really spend... They might they have a token... Yeah, like, they might spend a token day with the child every now and then, or they might do the token, like, take him out to to play sports for a short period of time, but generally not actually spending time with the children. So, like, I'm not, this is not being me being rhetorical or being flippant. I'm quite serious. I'm now, I'm making an effort to ask people in the, in the least loaded way that I can, in the least confrontational way I can, like, out of genuine curiosity, what, what are you doing with your time? Like, what do you actually do? And yeah. this is another one of those questions that I've tried a few times, and the, the, the time it takes people to, uh, like, the expressions and the body language, and it's like... I'm getting the answer. I'm getting an answer before they even give me the answer, if you get what I'm trying to say. And, and this is not me sitting what, here or standing here trying to, uh, this is not me trying to like judge people or say that they should be doing anything different. I'm, I'm genuinely just curious to learn what are other people doing with their time? Because no word of a lie, I've now spent, what, the best part of two years just dedicated to, to doing my thing, whether my thing is a good use of, t- of time or a poor use. I mean, maybe, maybe in the future I'll be able to look back and judge it. Uh, more objectively, but for the time being, I'm doing my thing. But I've put so much time into it that I've kind of lost, uh, I've lost a sense of understanding of what the other humans do with their time. And, and so it used to be TV. Like when I was growing up, TV was huge. I used to watch hours of TV a day. TV obviously now isn't what it used to be because people don't, you know, people aren't making sure they're home at 8:30 to watch the latest episode of Melrose Place, whatever the hell t- is on TV these days, right? It's it's all um, watch it when you want, watch on demand. And, and yep. also, from what I've observed, people aren't so much just watching TV anymore. They'll have the TV on, but they'll be on their, um, on their tablet simultaneously. I've, I don't know if this is a common pattern, but from what I've observed of people in so-called real life, this is a common thing where they'll have two screens on at the same time. TV is almost well, like that's a background That's reality noise. TV was designed to facilitate the idea that you can pick up with an episode. You don't have to be invested in a storyline. That's where reality TV has become so successful since the advent of mobile phones around the turn of the century. I mean, it's a bunch of friends that are on the TV, but you don't even have to pay close attention. It just fills the the space around what you're doing. Well, I think there's an element of TV just is that now. So in in the car, when the person is driving in the car, they've usually got the radio on or a podcast perhaps, but from what I've observed, it's usually radio. So there's always this background noise. And then in in, in their house, it's it's television. Now, once upon a time, you could just switch the TV on and, and the programming would run, just like radio. But from what I can gather... There is the the Netflix or watch on demand element to it. However, they will still use, from what I've observed, that'll still be relatively background uh, information, sounds and lights, because their immediate attention is still on their phone or on their tablet. From what I've observed, and I keep saying from what I've observed, because the sa- I'm basing this on a very small sample size. I truly no longer know. I'm not sure I ever knew, but I definitely don't know now how people actually live their lives when they've got time on their hands. And if they want to tell me they've got no time, okay, whatever, but I don't really believe that, to be perfectly frank. I think people do have time, and I'm starting to wonder, how do they actually spend it? How, how are people spending their time? And I suspect, based on observation, it is background noise, television on Netflix, immediate focus on screen, social media, watching news feeds, checking through Twitter. This is two or three hours a day for the typical person, from what I can gather. Or sitting at a 
or, or for young men, video games. Video games is huge with young men. Huge. Phenomenal. So I or think pornography. Uh, yeah, porn. But are they really watching lots of it or just sort of for 10 or 15 minutes and then, you know what I mean? Like, are they actually sitting there watching that for half an hour, an hour at a time? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. But, but again, what the hell would I know? You know what I mean? It's, uh... I think there are people who, want, you know, it's more of an episodic. Really? Like, what, no, like their favourite yeah. actress or something? Like, Yeah, like, I mean, I, have, I don't have a lot of friends, so I can't really, you know, I haven't got a lot of people as source information, but I mean, from what I've, I guess it's just an image I've built up in my head from, I guess, you know, people I've bumped into or information I've come across, it seems that there are people out there who are more invested. I mean, the, the, the whole social media thing's allowed there to be a, a big industry built around the personality, not just... Uh, some video that's you, or a magazine or something you get somewhere, you know, it's a it's a more interactive experience. Mm, okay, well that's that's news to me. I, I mean, I believe it. That wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me so much. But just gen- it seems to me, generally speaking, like the majority of people, and that's at the moment that's what I'm trying to get my head around is like the broader group. It does seem to be uh, <laughs> two screens simultaneously, yeah. all video games seems yeah, to be. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and again, this is not me trying to say all oh, they. I understand. Yeah, like, this isn't me trying to say, oh, they shouldn't do that. This, again, this, if this comes across as me placing a value judgment on it, no, no, not at all, because we all spend our time however we want. I'm just trying to re-get <laughs> back in touch with how regular people spend their time, because... Um, Did you ask those lost... people? I've been asking people, yeah, in real life, and I'm going to keep asking people on, what uh, on Discord, too. Well, again... What did they say? It, firstly, before they say anything, usually I can sort of see them, like... How do I say it? It looks like they're trying to think about it. And usually they'll tell me, oh, I, I don't really, you know, have much time. And I'll be like, well, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a very simple process. And then usually the answers are Netflix or, for men, video games. I think you're raking up, John. You're raking can up. You hear me, can you hear me now? Hello? Yeah, your Wi-Fi was cutting in and out. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, so the answers I'm getting from young men, it's usually video games. And uh, from, from non-young men, it's... Um, They'll usually try and tell me that they're, that they're busy. I'm like, yeah, but I just mean, you know, when you get home from work, like, you've got, you're doing something, and it's like, oh, yeah, just put Netflix on or whatever. So I think, I think Netflix and video games. But again, this is still relatively small sample. This is a very small sample size. So, so I'm going to keep trying to learn more. But so, uh, I mean, even that, that, even that, that element of things is very, yeah, even that element of things, again, is we're seeing change fairly quickly because when I was growing up, it was still, Thursday night, 8.30, Channel 7, Stargate's on, right, for one example. Stargate SG-1, you know what I mean, with uh, Richard Dean Anderson. I used to love that show. It was great. We, because of this, um, I mean, even Netflix, man. Netflix got huge. I wasn't even paying attention. Like, I didn't have a Netflix account. And I moved into this, I moved into a place that I'm in at the moment. This is the first house I've lived in that has had Netflix. And, um, like, the first, I can tell you the first time I ever watched something on Netflix that I had selected myself was the Jim Carrey, they made a documentary about Jim Carrey uh, and when he did the film Man on the Moon. And so I wanted to watch that. So this was early this year, maybe, I don't know, March, April, May, June this year, sometime this year. I was like, I'm going to see if this is on Netflix. So I fiddled around with this little Netflix remote. I don't know if that's a common thing, but this weird little remote and I looked for, actually I said it, I said it into the remote. You're speaking to these things. I was like, um... Uh, what's it called, uh, Jim? I forget the name of, of that particular film. It'll come to me. But So I said it, and it came up with it. It was on there. I was like, this is amazing. And then I watched 
I watched it. It didn't cost me a cent. I assume it's just included in the in the monthly Netflix like feed. Dawn of Man. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal stuff, and um, and so apparently people have been Netflixing for for years now. It's kind of taken over the place, and uh, and even that is such a rapid departure from what television originally was. And uh, yeah, like we're watching this happen. We're watching this happen in real time. We're experiencing it in real time. I mean, if you think about that, just the idea of you you take we know that even when I was a child, the idea of a remote was pretty well established, okay? It's wireless, but you press the buttons, the screen gives you what you want. Which if you take a step back and think about it, that is actually pretty phenomenal. But we were used to that, even when I was a child. But now you speak to the remote and it will find you a show. So it's not a case of, oh, I hope they put my favourite film on, you know, because they used to put films on the same film on every year. Like every year Forrest Gump would be on once. Every year all of those major films would be on. So it's like, oh, Hope they're putting that on sometime soon. Whereas now it's like you just talk, you just press a button and talk to your remote, and then next thing, that film is on your screen. I mean, even that. I'm sure most people think this is totally normal, and it, it, it is normal now. It is normal now. But it's like, take a step back and think about it. That is absolutely phenomenal. You know? I mean, it could be the case. Once I release my Dino Skeptic film, who knows? Who knows how successful that might be? It might only be seen by 100 people. Who knows? Maybe at some point in the future, because I've heard that Loose Change is now on Netflix. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard a couple of people say that. So let's just say that's true, that Loose Change is now, or Zeitgeist, one of these films is now on Netflix. Well, maybe in theory, the Dino Skeptic film could be. So there could be someone around the world pressing a button on a piece of plastic saying Dino Skeptic film, and it comes up with my film on, on their screen, on their wall. Just like that. People have never met me, never even heard of me. Just bang. On on the on the wall like this, this this is absolutely phenomenal stuff. Absolutely phenomenal stuff to me. And then I I, I say stuff like this, and some people are like, yeah, man, I'm I'm with you. But then other people are like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, it's just computers, just technology. Okay. So it's almost unbelievable. It's almost unbelievable. Imagine if imagine if you could go back to like the ten year old version of you, who was full of ideas and likes to do his own little sketch comedy with his friends or whatever, and you said to him, hey, listen, by the time you're 30, you'll be able to do your sketch comedy, put it onto the internet, and then uh, and then forget about videos you even made, and then anyone around the world can just watch them instantly. They can just speak to a piece of plate. They can watch it on their phone on the way to work. And In fact, the video will start playing. They won't even ask for it. It'll just autoplay, the same way that after the news they put on the current affairs. Your video mocking people who believe Ariana Grande terrorism was real, your video will be auto-played by YouTube for some reason. We don't, to this day, we don't know why that happened, but people who've never heard of you, don't want to hear about you, all of a sudden, their phone on the way to work is going to be playing you, pretending that you think that this fake footage is real in a three-minute sketch piece. Like, that, that is yeah, absolutely that I would have never phenomenal. Predicted. Oh, I agree. I would have never predicted that. And yes, absolutely. It is it is amazing the technology. I agree with all your musings about how great the technology is. It, it does blow my mind. It is amazing that we can be speaking over such a long distance in real time with zero latency. There's almost no lag or delay between me over here and you way over there. It's a, it's, it's it's phenomenal. And the sad part is that it could be used for good, like any other tool but mostly it might not be used for good. But there's so much opportunity for everyone in this world to 
get their opinion out if, as if it mattered, even if it doesn't matter. They could, there's so much room, so many tools for creativity that it's an infinite, it's an in, in, infinite plane because there's an infinite amount of, and you know, it's slowly getting bigger, at least on the Discord with this, this thing has worked out pretty well and on your Discord and there are more voices than ever before and they come and they go. We're, we're, there are only a few that, maintain over time like yourself and me and Velocet and Rolo. But uh, I think it's still fantastic. And I'm well, always excited to hear new voices. And people will use the technology like you said. For, but When we first started this call, I was at home. I'd since got in my car. I drove 20 minutes away. I picked up some seafood to have for dinner. I drove to a wharf. I sat at the wharf and had my dinner and then drove home again. I'm just pulling back into my driveway now. And I've moved from cell tower to cell tower, stayed on a conference call, and not had a single dropout or problem. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Yeah, that technology is fantastic. The cell phone technology, the military radio frequency technology, is amazing. Couple that with the Internet and transmitting voice packets all around the world in a efficient, non-linear way is also fantastic. These are the two greatest technologies. That and air travel. Air travel, I work near the airport. Whenever I see an airplane, I, I'm still blown away by how that works so efficiently and so reliably. You'd think that there'd be more problems with this amazing technology of an airplane. But from what I can tell, they almost never crash. I don't even know which airline, I don't even know which crashes are real. You know what? You how just made me think, Ab. I don't mean to. I don't mean to interrupt you. You just made me realize that apart from fake plane crashes, I don't actually know of any plane crashes. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is one of the agendas behind the fake plane crashes, but could you imagine if we lived in a world where there were no plane crashes? There was no news stories of plane crashes. Maybe more of us would start questioning what the hell is this technology? But because we know there are, oh, there are, there are plane crashes every now and then. Don't you remember the MH17 just disappeared, right? So it's like, oh, they do. They're Maybe safer than cars. Would... Yeah, they're safer than cars, but they they do every now and then crash. There's a bit of a risk involved in it. Whereas if there was no MH17s, it'd be like, hold on, how come these planes never crash? Ever? Maybe everyone would fly. <laughs> Maybe there'd be more airlines, more airports, more well, people I'm not moving sure. around. I'm not sure that they don't want us flying. I mean, it is incredibly easy. I was chatting with uh, an acquaintance of mine just today, and uh, he was telling me that he's been quoted $900 for a one-way ticket to Europe next year, right? $900 Australian, and our dollar is, you know, roughly similar to the American dollar, a bit weaker, but same basic idea. $900, man, anyone with a full-time job who isn't a complete fool with their money or already, you know, supporting parasites, I suppose, can save $900 in two weeks comfortably. I could. I could go and get a full-time job and save $900 in two weeks comfortably. Wouldn't, wouldn't be a... Two weeks of my labour is enough me to fly to the other side of the world. So I don't think anyone's trying to stop us in that sense. I mean, two weeks' work yeah. to be able to fly to the other side of the world? That is just... And I'm talking two weeks' Amazing. menial work. I'm not some well-trained lawyer billing $200 an hour. And I just made that figure up. Yeah. Who knows what the typical lawyer is billing? But what I'm saying is, I'm just a menial worker, man. And in two weeks, I can save enough money to sit on a plane and then maybe have a bit of a snooze. And then next thing you know, oh boy, I'm on the other side of the world. 
Right? And I'm, I'm supposed to believe if the, some of the leading voices of the act realm, if they're to be believed, then I'm supposed to believe that the people who gave us all this technology are evil, that they want my life to be bad, and that I should see them as bad, and I should see this whole world as bad, because it's run by bad people. The very people who have facilitated the technology that we're talking about right now. When you take a step back and think about it, it is completely insane. It is absolutely insane to me now to think that the people who gave us this technology are evil. Absolutely insane. Well, they, they, they can act evil, but that doesn't mean they're intrinsically evil, but they can behave badly. They can do that. Well, you know, I've never had, so far as I'm aware, I've never had one of the people who run the show put out a two-hour podcast saying nasty things about myself and the people I speak with. That's never happened, as far as I'm aware. It's been the other so-called humans who've done that. You know, I've never had... Um, well, you're on, the ra- who- you're on the radar now. Well, supposedly I've been on the radar for a long time. Like, people, people say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. My YouTube, my YouTube channel has never, ever been taken down. Not once. Not once. I had a few videos that supposedly uh, violated um, like copyright, copyright infringement. But that's it. That's it. YouTube's never taken me down. Why is that? Why, how come all these other people, their YouTube channels are taken down and not me? Right? Now, I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch. Maybe I wake up tomorrow, YouTube channel's gone. That's cool. I've, I'm, I'm cool with that possibility. But if there's some plot to stop people like me from getting a voice out, why did they wait, whoever they are, or whatever it is, why wait until I've built up a website that can survive quite comfortably without YouTube? Right? They shut down my YouTube, so what? I've got a website now. So, in fact, I get more good comments from the relatively small membership base on my website than I do on my YouTube channel, despite the fact that it supposedly has 6,000 subscribers. So, if anything, losing the YouTube might just mean I spend more time where I probably should be spending more time anyway, which is the website. So, why wait? Why wait until... If I wake up tomorrow, the YouTube channel's gone. Why wait until September 30 of 2018 to shut me down? Why? If they're evil, if they're trying to stop me. The only answer that people can ever give me to this is, oh, well, you're one of them. And it's like, okay, well, I can disregard everything you're saying this topic from that point forward because what you're saying is patently untrue. And that's all people have got. So people who are in this mindset of, oh, they're evil, they're evil, basically anyone who does what I'm doing must be part of the evil because they're still here. It's circular reasoning. These people aren't evil as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Not, 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 not that I can see. You know, I know parents who justify having their children mutilated at birth. And it's like, hold on, that's... How is that the people who run the show's fault if parents will mutilate their sons at birth? How is that anyone's fault but the parents and the the so-called doctor who does this, or the surgeon, or whatever title this person has to mutilate children? That surely is on them rather than the people who run the show. How can people argue with that? It's like this, this absolute... It's like this innate desire to absolve themselves of responsibility. You're listening to another hour of Fakeologist Audio Chat on Fakeologist.com. Where would we be without Fakeology? Yes, no, you've done good work here, Ab. And uh, I saw you posted a Thank you. post a few days ago with uh, someone who had written to you and said that your work had helped them. And uh, you had written words to the effect of, this was very uplifting for you. And uh, I know that experience. Yeah, wonderful, I love that. It is. And this is a that. person that Thank you've you never for... met. This is a person that you've never met physically in real life, right? No, I don't meet very many people physically. <laughs> so, no, yeah, no. So, so this is a it's person. It's great to hear. 
Yes, this is a person who's interacted with you. Apologies for the background noise. This is a person who's interacted with you purely online, and they feel as though your work has helped their life, and then they have sent you uh, communication, again, through the internet, that has made you feel good. Like, when you read that, I bet you feel fantastic. Probably for the whole day. I know I do. Yeah. When I get, when I get emails like that from people saying oh, yeah. that my work has helped them, it's an amazing feeling, and it's all completely digital in terms of the transmission of the idea. These are people we've never met in real life. Oh. Yeah. And again, this technology, I didn't invent any of it. None of it. Zero. All of this technology, I've had nothing to do with building it at all. So, something else has, and it's made it available to me pretty much for free. And yet those people are supposed to be the bad guys. It is absolutely insane. Absolutely insane to me. And yet I know that mindset because I was there a couple of years ago. I know that mindset. And uh, I think this, this whole scene can do that to people. It's uh, infectious. This um, negative outlook on the world. Miserable. It's a miserable outlook on the company. And, and that's what people are dragging each other down to this miserable state of, oh, no, no, it's all bad. It's all They're evil. Look at what they're doing. Bro, look at what they're doing. Look at what, look at what people are doing. Jesus Christ. Fancy doing a podcast. Whether it is serious or it's a piece of avant-garde performance art, fancy doing that and sitting there saying shit about other people's divorces, like people who they've shared part of their life with you, and now you're going to start saying this person's, you know, I'm not even going to repeat what was said. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Who fancy doing that? Well, that, as far as I'm concerned, that wasn't one of the people who run the show doing that. That was just some dude in somewhere in America who, whether it's a troll or. I, it, like I said, I've got, I can't explain what his motivations might have been, but that was a person doing that, man. That wasn't the people who run the show, as far as I'm concerned. So people want to tell me about, oh, all this evil that's been done, all these evil people. It's like, okay, where are we pointing the fingers right now? Because, yeah, no one's ever... As far as I'm aware, the Rothschilds and the Morgans and whoever the hell you think is responsible for all the so-called evils in the world... As far as George I'm aware, Soros. George Soros, yeah, George Soros. Any of these uh, boogeymen, any of these Goldstein on the telescreens, as far as I'm aware, they've never done that to any of us. It's uh, people at this level who do it to each other. Yeah, that's true. If you subtract all the hoax plane crashes and then you subtract maybe a few small Cessna teleplane might have their issues, it seems like there are no actual... Yeah, and that's, that's what I was getting at before, and I was being somewhat flippant, but also, I mean, this is just something that's just occurred to me based on what, like, Ab got me thinking about something, which is that, like, I'm not, okay, I'm not saying they put the fake news, uh, the fake plane crashes for this purpose, necessarily. However, it does seem to have the effect of, we're all convinced that if we get on a plane, it's probably going to be okay, it's safer than driving to the airport. We all know that. None of us actually personally knows anyone who's died on a plane, whereas most of us either know someone or know someone who knows someone who died in a car accident, right? So we, we all get that planes are safer than cars, but we all have it in our head that there is a little bit of risk and maybe that risk that we think is there is because of these ideas that are embedded in our brain about MH. Was it the 17 that got shot down and the 370 disappeared or vice versa? But you know what I'm talking about. So, so we've got these ideas in our heads of these plane disasters. I mean, even 9-11, that's the, that's the best example. <laughs> you might accidentally get hijacked and flown into a building. It can happen. But uh, actually, no. No, it doesn't happen. And so, how, how on earth can these planes be so, so safe? Especially when they're carrying all of this fuel, right? I mean, that's a yeah. lot of fuel to be carrying. You know, saying Formula One, right? So this is the highest tech car racing in the world today, as far as I'm aware, is Formula One. 
and they don't have um, refueling anymore. They used to, but they don't have refueling anymore. All the cars start with all the fuel they're going to need for the whole race. And as far as I'm aware, one of the justifications for that is having refueling in the pit stop is more dangerous. And yet, fuel is combustible. The more of it you have lying around, in theory, the more risk you're going to have that it's going to combust when you don't want it to. And planes supposedly carry a lot of fuel. We're talking, we're talking tanker loads, man. So how come they don't just every now and then just explode? Like, that's a risk that I'm happy to take. It's like, well, you know, it's getting me from, from Brisbane to, to Chiang Mai, Thailand, for argument's sake. There's a, there's a small chance that it might just combust, and that could be that could be That's a risk I'm willing to take. But maybe that isn't actually a risk at all. Well, the, this, uh, the whole... Can you see where I'm going like with this, Velocet? Yeah, you yeah. yeah I, see I, I the, it seems like a conditioning thing to sort of, I don't know, make you question that you should do that kind of activity. And it made me, it reminded me of a great... I don't know if you know the comedian Norm MacDonald, but it just reminded me of this great bit he does where he goes, you know when you sit on a plane, how you, how you say to yourself, I hope we don't crash. Like, every time you sit on a plane, you say that, and I'll like, laugh my ass off, because everyone does that, don't they? You sit on a plane, you go, I hope we don't crash, but have you ever seen anything crash? Like, once you're aware of what we are, do they crash? Ever? Yeah, and again, I'm not, like, I'm not at all saying that they do this to make us not want to fly, because like I just said, it's incredibly affordable for any, well, in my opinion, for anyone who is not very, very foolish with money, anyone else, yeah, you can save money to fly wherever you want, really, let's be honest here. So I don't think they're trying to stop anyone from flying. I'm, I'm kind of suggesting something different, which is that maybe more of us might be more likely to question how this technology is working if we realise it never went wrong. Because you know there are people out there, as crazy as it sounds, who question if the planes are really flying on fuel. They do question that. I've looked at the nature of the way a turbine works. I think it is, like, it does loop back on itself. I think they, once they get them fired up, they want to, they actually have to put the brakes on to slow it down. It's like a feedback loop. It wants to go faster and faster and faster on its own. They actually apply brakes to stop it from running away from them. So it's like something that wants to go faster, but they have to hold it back. And they do fire them up and get them, well, that's what the nature of a turbine is. Once it compresses that incoming air, it feeds back part of that air to feed an internal chamber that spins the tur- So it's like looping back on itself apart from pushing the air through. So apparently you can you can fire one up, and if built correctly, they, they just run away with themselves. They don't need... It's an interesting concept. I don't know. Like, it's hard but without being able to print one for myself. Sorry to interrupt, but you're, you're suggesting, like, that they still need fuel. You're saying that the turbine, once you get it started, will keep sucking more and more fuel so long as the fuel is there. But if the fuel ran out, it would still the turbine would still stop is what you're... Or are, you, or are you saying that you actually think the turbines are, like, free energy, freewheeling already? Is that what you're saying? I'm not sure if they... Like, I think the fuel's more... got something to do with creating hot air and its expansion-contraction concept. But from what I know, there's all these tubes on the turbines that feed from compressed chambers back to non-compressed chambers. And if you know about harmonics and the way, you know, that works, it's possible that they create sort of buffers of air... And it's, the, it's, all, it's got to do with the precision engineering of the, the turbine that allows certain pressure pockets to exist and suck more air in. So I think, in a way, it's possible that they could suck stuff in. Maybe they do need fuel to create heat at some point, but I think the nature of the turbine that is it's just going to keep going faster and faster on its own unless you put resistance in it. Sure, but we need to be clear here. Are you talking about the official story or what you think is actually happening? 
Because I'm not sure if this is what I think is actually happening. Ah, okay, okay. I see. Well, I, but I, I don't know. Is it, I think I've seen somewhere that that's the way turbines work. The idea is that it's got all harmonics in the fan blades, so that they resonate with each other in a way that allows them to gain efficiency and what you know. It's kind of hard to explain, but I, I get like from the same way sound waves work. You you can align things in a certain phase. It would have to be to certain measurements and requirements that would allow it to incre- like you know constantly accelerate to the point of destruction. Like if you look at the inside them, they are just very big, heavy steel or you know whatever you know extremely high quality metal. But they're they're very simple precision engineered fans. There's no there's no lots of little confusing parts. It's quite a very beautifully polished, precision-built fan blade, and there's lots of them all working in certain resonances. So, mm, like, I if you, what you're saying. Think of it I like if, it, if you yeah. and I, if there's a big pipe, right, and I, and I, like, suck in a bit of air into my mouth out of that pipe, air comes in the other end of that pipe, but it doesn't, I wasn't sucking the whole length of that pipe. I was just removing air from where my mouth is and it, it has a knock-on effect all the way through that pipe. So I think resonances can be created in the fan blades that they actually feed themselves. Well, I'm looking at a cross-section of a plane turbine as we speak and uh, it is fascinating because we see, when we look at a plane engine, say when we're boarding it, we can see, mm, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 blades at the front, right? But the cross-section shows that they've got all of these little they're kind of like miniature blades. Like there's, we can see one row of blades at the front. That's the big, big row. But in fact, according to these cross-section images, you've got a dozen, two dozen more rows behind it, smaller with smaller blades. It's just like a complete, like the whole engine is these blades. Do you, know, do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, like it's, yes, yes, yes. So so the length of the case. All, but but the, the, the ratio of the gap in those blades, that the angle of those blades, like... Um, what do they call it on a helicopter, like the the collective, those kinds of things, they're all spaced at certain ratios. And those are just big brass, whatever, you know, I don't know what metal it is, but they're just big, heavy steel components that you would think would have a very long lifespan just doing that task day in, day out for years on end. There's no sort of, you know, very high complex stuff in there like you might think. Yeah, and in terms of, um, say, resonance of these kinds of things, so these, these blades all need to be sort of tuned to be at one with each it's almost like uh and again i'm just a layman i don't know aeronautical engineer i don't pretend to have any uh, knowledge on this topic that any layman doesn't have i'm just looking at this image and i'm hearing what you're saying and i'm thinking yeah it does kind of have to be in tune it's almost like music isn't it in a sense like uh music is the reverberate sound is a reverberation of the air of the airwaves around us right at certain frequencies and just looking at some of these images and the cross sections and Set up, set them up kind of like at the right frequency with each other, wouldn't you? And uh, it's almost like the jet engine is humming through the air, if you get what I'm trying to say. This is fascinating stuff. To me, it is anyway. To a lot of people, this is completely crazy bonkers, whatever, right? And they're the people we're worried about. Did you know that the regular normies, when they hear you thinking about things and questioning what we're told, you know they think that's crazy? Yeah, I do, actually. I'm fully aware of that fact. Well, so the, air, the air passing through there is behave the same as sound because sound passes through air in a longer tube-like compression wave, right? So you've got areas of compression and rarefaction as the, as the wave propagates forward. So if you can imagine by the time a high-pressure air from, or, you know, like whatever pressure air from outside that engine passes into it, by the time the fans behind it have created a vacuum, 
in, it's going to have this buffeting effect as different pressure systems move through the engine. Now, if you can get blades further down the system to feed back onto the earlier blades to keep them spinning, if you look, there's actually all tubes around the outside of it feeding pressure systems from the back of the engine back to the front. So it seems to have some recycling quality of pressure that's helping feed those blades. And I mean, that's where I'm blending from sort of my understanding of nature into the conspiracy of it, that I think it's very possible they do fire these things up on the ground and then they do just want to run away with themselves. They've got to apply brakes to, to, put a, you know, to, to hold it back. Once they're in the sky, they let it rip. Yeah, I see. So what you're suggesting is something that I heard. I thought it was someone else, but maybe you're the one who suggested this to me. But someone suggested to me this idea of it's not that they run on fuel the way that we're told, but it's also not that they run on tesla-free energy the way that some some people want to have you believe. It's kind of like a hybrid where they use the fuel to get these, these babies going, and then once they're set, they're sweet, you know. So, so that, and that would explain that would explain why we still do see these uh, planes being refueled, why there do seem to yeah. be fuel tankers, you know, floating around at these um, airfields or whatever. It would explain the, all of the, that. The volumes of fuel they're claiming are on these, to me, seems ridiculous. The, the size of the tankers and the, the supposed volume is just unbelievable. That, that ah, so you're a jet fuel hoaxer. You're a, you're a, you're a plane yeah. fuel hoaxer. Well, I, I do believe, fuel like you say, there's, there's got to be some sort of fuel there to, like, get them started, because I do believe they can start on their own. They're not like the old-fashioned ones where you need to put a fan in the front of it to get it started. You do see them fire up on their own. So fuel might be used in some system to get it started, like a starter motor or something. But I think once they're up and away, you see these A380s just take off straight upwards like nothing. So these are huge machines that just lift off into the air with no trouble at all. The, the lift part, the Actually, lift part yeah, regardless I just saw of the a 380 take off yesterday. They take a lot of power and they use a lot. Most of the fuel is used to take off. I don't think anyone, that that's that's not a secret. That makes a lot of sense. Most of the power to start a car is from stop to motion. I have a but new... The air is um, denser down here. Hybrid. Once you're in the sky, you would need more power because the air is less dense up higher. No, but you're already moving, though. you got momentum. There's, there's a lot of basic physics involved. I don't, and as a matter of fact, the air is less dense above, so therefore probably would need a lot less power to keep going. Because it would be less friction, less drag. A lot yeah. less friction. Yeah, there, I, I believe there's a lot fewer molecules up there. So, yeah, you're, once you're up there, you're in, and there's an airstream up there as well, I'm sure, that's pushing you along. I mean, it, it's no secret that, at least with the airline schedules, it takes longer <clears throat> to fly east to west than it does west to east. The, the world does have prevailing westerlies, at least in North America. I don't mm. know about Australia. Well, so, yeah, there's lots when of... I, all, when I, was I would looking say at half the tank. Look it up. Look it up. More than half the tank is burned on the way up. The, the miles, the amount of fuel burned just to take off yeah, is at I'm least not, half the thing. Irrespective of when the fuel's burned, whether it's in takeoff or landing or cruising or wherever, I think the, the, the amounts of fuel they're claiming is in those wings. The, the amount of tankers it would take to fill that capacity is, is unbelievable, impossible. 
But then again, I was the first to say, well, you could simply use a a one decimal place trick and people could believe it could be one tenth of the fuel and just the decimal place on all the instrumentation and everything's in the wrong place. People have no idea. What do you, what do you you think? Well, what do you think of this? Have you ever, do you have diesel cars in Australia? Yeah. Are there any countries that don't have diesel? Well, the diesel doesn't sell that well in North America. Um, I have a friend who has, um, is a VW, works at VW, and he almost drove, I think he can drive 20 hours at a decent speed on one tank of fuel. So is that a lie that he's driving on one tank of diesel fuel? He can almost get to Florida on one tank. Diesels are so efficient, but now they're being phased out because uh, they're just too good, in my opinion. They're so efficient, they can drive on a Jetta, a, a medium-sized car or smaller sedan can drive extreme numbers of miles without being refueled. So is that a hoax? No. Diesel is just highly efficient, which is one of the reasons why they don't want it, I think, because they're so efficient and they're so well-designed and they're so, it's such old technology. It's 150-year-old technology that there's no money to be made in the diesel engine anymore. That's why they're getting rid of it. And that's why I think they did the VW emission scandal hoax. I think that was a total hoax. It was a corporate hoax to make the shareholders and the workers and the management and all the people that did not want to switch to electric, it made them completely change their business model and drop diesel. The inventors of diesel are being pushed away from diesel. It's, it's, a, it's amazing to me. So... I'm just trying to say that on a tank, I do agree diesel, with you. Diesel are gas, you can go great distances. Great distances. I do agree. I do look agree, how small a I... gas tank is in a car, and look how far you can go. Yeah, but an airplane, like an airplane, we're not claiming it's a small gas tank. They're claiming it's an almost too large gas tank, and they're using a more efficient grade of fuel. They're using using as gas instead of diesel fuel. So yeah, they're using a much more combustible. It's a much more. Uh, yeah, you're right. You can get much more combustion per liter than just gasoline, for instance. Yeah, for sure. To me, that to me, yeah, anyway, the you fuel hold is goes down with the Mandela effect. I think it's just another psyop to make people look crazy or just waste <laughs> their time. But, yeah, I know, but I've, I've, I'm, I'm over feeling crazy. I don't, I don't I really don't care anymore. Like, <laughs> it'll come out one way no, or another no, eventually. I, but in, like in terms yeah, of the side off to make us look crazy, do you mean in someone has planted this with the express purpose of making people look silly to the masses to like discredit other things? Is yeah, that what you mean? I, I just think it's another. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's another story that if you said it to anyone, it would be ridiculous. Now we already have enough of those stories. I know what you're saying, but this one. This one is <laughs> to be even more ridiculous. Because, like, if we come up with a term for that, because this, this is a very commonly believed idea that there's a group who put out crazy ideas to make the good ideas well, I think the seem crazy to the masses. And but where do we get I mean, all our possible. ideas from? It's the possible. It's possible. But create the stories. Where do we get all our stories from? Who's writing all this crap? It's all, not the right, guy so at the local newspaper. So, so in terms of, like, the, the idea of questioning certain ideas, right, when it comes to who's writing these sorts of ideas, whatever, let's take the Nikola Tesla hoax. There may have been people who came along before me who said 
Nicola Tessa is a hoax? I don't know. But I'm not familiar with them, and certainly I don't think my work was inspired by them. So in that sense, the Nicola Tesla hoax, I'm the one that put that out there, okay? I put that out there. Yeah. Now, some, yeah, people, will yeah, say, some people will say, oh, the idea that Nicola Tesla is a hoax, that's crazy. That's just something that people say to make all of our other ideas look crazy. And it's like, okay, if someone believes that, then what they're saying is that I put it out there to make them seem crazy, right? But there are some people who would use that exact same thinking process of, well, I think it's crazy, and uh, people are, who, who agree with me on other topics are saying it, so now they're making me look crazy. So someone has put this out there to make us all look crazy. And it's like, well, in the case of the Tesla hoax, no, I put that out there, some dude from Brisbane. Now they can come back and say, yeah, but you're part of the planned operation to do this. Okay, fair enough. That's Again, we're, we're looking at that worldview that sees the world that way, that there are people... There are people out there to do that to them, but it's you now we're getting circular again, aren't we? We're getting circular. So this um, jet fuel hoax thing, which I didn't realise that you were so into this fella set, but that's the, I'm I'm open to well, it. Well, I'm glad we got into it through the case because that's something that does deserve a good a propaganda, if you can forgive the expression. But a closer mm-hmm. look, you you've have got to, to give A.A. A. Morris to credit, a man. Look. You've got to give him credit. Yeah, that's that a well named well named site. Really good. You know, we gotta get we gotta get him on our side. We gotta get A. Morris on our side. I'm not uh, mad at him or against him. I, I, we have to. If he's so good at marketing and he's such an old school communication specialist, we need him on the fakeologist side more than more than anything. So he needs to flip back over and start promoting. It's nice of you to embrace work, uh, talent with without a bias. Although you it think is. he's he's pretty he's a very talented speaker. Yeah. He's got a nice voice. I, like his, like, I think he's got voice. a very nice voice. I think it's a very effective... Like, well, that, that, that logo looks primitive, but I think it's quite clever, that, that logo design. Well, the only thing against me is a Long Island accent. That does not... Most accents are a liability more than a benefit, so he's got to get rid of that Long Island accent. No, Wacker's mate. What do you think about my accent, Ab? Honestly. Be honest, we're all friends here. Well, I think it's Australian. I'm not sure how well it plays over here. No, I very know diplomatic that answer. Very diplomatic. Are. I like it. That good diplomatic answer. They love the British accent because we all, even I think this, and I think I know it's wrong. We all over in North America, we all think that the British accent means it's more intelligent, and the, whatever he's saying is got to be more true. So, and CNN was hiring all kinds of Brits to do their thing. For me, it just annoyed me, and after a while. Well, you know, Australians have a habit when they go to England for a few years of just picking up that accent. And I'll give you an example. A guy called Harry Kuehl used to be a, a well-known football player, soccer player, and um, he spoke yeah. like a Brit. And I used to dislike that kind of thing, but if I ever live in England for a couple of years, I actually think I will intentionally adopt their accent just because I like their accent. I mean, they've got different accents in England, obviously. You know, at town 15 miles down the road. unintentionally. I think it'll be unintentional. Most people end up... No, I'm telling you it'll be intentional. I'm telling you it would happen unintentionally over time. I'm telling you I'm going to speed that process up. I know you are, but I'm saying it'll probably be very unintentional as well. You won't even notice you're doing it. I I know when I speak with um, Punjabi people, that's who I work with. I've always been accused by people that aren't Punjabi that I switch my accent, which is true. I actually do do that. I don't know if I'm trying to have fun with it or I'm just doing it because I want to speak the way they do, but... Oh, speak, speak with your Punjabi accent for us. Come on. Well, it's only a few words here and there. That's like yeah, I just on. gave this, you no, this, is, this is Pardon? good. I, I think the uh, I think people who can 
do accents or do impersonations. <laughs> I, I think it's a really cool talent accent. and skill to have. I wish I was no, better I at it. I don't skill. practice enough. I don't. I don't have it at all. I have no talent with accents. So no, I just. It's just little things. Like I'll say, "Pardon, what are you saying to me? How are you doing today? Are you doing fine?" But I won't even speak like that. I'm not gonna. I, that's almost a mockery. I'll just. I'll just we totally change a little bit. Understandable to the audience we're speaking to. I think. Yes. Well, I'm adapting so they can understand me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's more than anything. Because they. If, oh, if they their name you <laughs> Exactly. I just, but that's what people do naturally. If you, if I went to Australia, I guarantee I'd get a bit of an Australian lilt to my voice, even if it's yeah, not. Yeah, well, me. I think we all, I think we're all in furious agreement on that. The point I'm making is, I expect to actually speed the process up, especially if it's like a well-known accent. Like, suppose I moved to Liverpool, like that. Is it Liverpoolian? Liverpoolian? How do you pronounce Liverpoolian. Mm. Liverpoolian. Yeah, but that accent is, um, it's like a well-known accent, isn't it? Like because of the Beatles or whatever. So. Uh, yeah, why not? I mean, I, I don't really yeah, like John the Australian Bond, accent. I don't like it. Yeah, you need to brush up on your Liverpoolian, to be perfectly frank. Oh, sorry. And, you know, the, the idea of, um, like, uh, mocking other people's accents, too. Like, some people say, oh, you can't mock the, the Indian accent, uh, you know, that's racist or whatever. It's like, are you kidding me? And one of the funniest comedy that I see is, I'll give you an example, Dave Chappelle. Listen to him doing a white guy. It's very funny. And he's not being racist, okay? It's funny because Dave Chappelle, you know, he... He plays the whole black man, the way that he speaks and all that. He, that's very much part of his act. But then when he does a joke pretending to be a white guy, and he does it so well, it's, to me, that's always amusing. Every time I see him do it, it's always amusing to me. And I think, what kind of a, what kind of a toxic mindset would ever want to take away people's humour in pretending to do the way that other people speak? Right, now, that's, this is now a big part of the, the world that we live in, if you want to call it political correctness or cultural or is now a big part of, of what they do. They actually say, you can't find that fun anymore. How dare you? How dare you pretend to speak like somebody else? That's inherently racist. That is a, what you are doing is disrespectful to them. But it's like, uh, no, it's not. I don't, think, I don't think Dave Chappelle is being disrespectful to white people when he pretends to do a white man voice. I, I don't feel disrespected by it. What kind of a loser does? So, Ab, if you want to do your Punjab bit... Man, this, is, this conversation's gone over the place tonight. I'm looking forward to... I'm going to upload this one as a JLB Chats episode if you guys are cool with that. It's, um, Wait, assuming that Ab, assuming that Ab releases this, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming this is going to be released to, uh, to the broader audience. If it is, I'm going to repackage it. But I'm running out of colour combinations. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm, I'm really... Uh, <laughs> you guys can black. recommend the colours if you want. No, I've already done... I used um, black, grey and white for my chat with John Adams, which was, of course, immediately prior to the whole... You know, what was the name of that um, supposedly dead uh, motorcycle? Carry on. Carry yeah. on. That's right. Yeah, and of course, and carry on. If you look up that word, carry on on the net. It was it was a carry on on the net and carry on, and I didn't know this until that incident. Actually, does mean um, roadkill or something. So, ama- amazing coincidence that. This has been a bizarre year, hasn't it, guys? Twenty eighteen. What are we? We're only three quarters of the way through, and this truly has been a bizarre year in our little scene, hasn't it? It's there been might be more to come. I mean, even just the re-emergence of Dave J. I mean, he has, boy, oh boy, he has, uh, I think he's won a few people over, just quietly. For a long time, he was kind of seen as like the, almost like the crazy uncle or something, whereas now people are starting to realise, hold on, maybe not everything he says is necessarily going to resonate with people. There's stuff that he says that I don't agree with, but some of his um, war hoax stuff, I've had people say to me, I've had people, like, in communication with me say, 
I never used to get what Dave J meant by spiritual murderer, but now I get it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like if you actually give yourself a chance to think about it, yeah. People who propagate stories of death that are not true, they are in in somebody's mindset, in their, the way that they see the world, when they hear that someone is dead, that person is now dead in their world. Even if that person never existed, that person's dead now. You have killed that person. You have murdered their spirit. You are a spiritual murderer. Even if you don't agree with Dave J, you, ha- you, you don't have to spend too much time thinking about it to at least get where he's coming from. And it seems like it seems to me like people are starting to give Dave that time. They're starting to actually listen to what he has to say. And, of course, he came back on the scene and it was around about that time that the whole um, uh, John Adams thing went down. And, uh, and now this war hoax material is starting to gain, gain traction, starting to gain legs. I'm having people tell me that they thought I was joking at first, too, and now we get this um, Morris meltdown or avant-garde performance art piece, whatever it is. Again, I, I really cannot explain what might be motivating this guy. I, I really don't know. I don't think I'll ever know, but maybe we'll see. And uh, we've had like two or three meltdowns from Gaia. Who keep, now, he's, now he's writing at Peace of Mindful. Of course, Peace of Mindful decided they no longer like Miles Mathis, and he used to be like one of their main dudes. Now they've kind of gone against Miles Mathis. So that's pretty bizarre. Uh, Hoaxbusters, I mean, obviously the whole um, Chris Kendall thing, taking his break, that's um, kind of changed the whole Hoaxbusters dynamic as well. Uh, yeah, it's gone dormant. Yeah. Which, which kind of means, Ab, that you're... Oh. I mean, are there other websites, are there other podcasts that, that talk about this stuff regularly other than yours? There used to be you, there used to be you no, and Hoaxbusters. Is uh, there anyone else? Not that I know of. We're on a bit of a... Um, we have a long streak going. It's been about six years. Is it time for us to blow up next? <laughs> Well, if, if that were to happen, and uh, Lord knows that I hope it doesn't, but if if you were ever to have to uh, take a break from all of this, Ab, and implode, implode then uh, you can rest assured that the good ship JLB would be there to rescue the survivors, Titanic style. Jump aboard, my friends. <laughs> you pick up the pick up where we left off. Yeah, you know, only some people would be welcome though. Like I'd only be throwing out the what do you call those little devices, the little floaty devices? You know, the ones Rollo's going to float away on a door. Yeah, flo- yeah I'm from the Rollo. Uh, the, the problem is, <laughs> yeah, if, you try and, if you try and drag him up like with your little floaty thing to save him, he, he's holding on to like barrels of alcohol. It's like, you're too heavy, man. Like, we can't, we, we haven't got yeah. space. And, and he'd be like, I'm never dropping the barrels. Splash. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you bring Tom Delper on. He's on the, on the call. Well, actually, turn it off. He's got his uh, headset off. I don't know why he's here if he's not listening. Yeah, or maybe he's no. listening on the live stream. Tom, Tom, Tom would be welcome. Tom would be welcome. Tom, I think one of the things I like about Tom Delpra is that he has always added this um, moderation. He's always sort of tempered the people who try and tell you, oh, this musician is this other musician, or this musician was replaced. or yeah. and, and he has, because he's a musician, he's, a he's come along and skeptics. Yeah, he's come along and said, yeah, learning to play musical instruments like that, you don't just pick some hypothetical recruit out of some hypothetical CIA program and they can suddenly play music. It doesn't quite no. work like that. And so, and, and that's, it's good. It's good to have like a moderating voice on some of those topics, right? But then you've got the flip side where some oh, yeah. people, I don't know if Tom is one of them, but you've got some people who try and tell you that sport is completely scripted. And it's like, okay... You obviously haven't played sport at any higher level because a lot of what we see on the field, like what we saw today, the best players in the world could not follow that script, okay? 
The leagues can influence the outcomes for commercial reasons, and they definitely do that, especially yeah. in Australia. It's yeah. blatant what they do. I agree. But in terms of scripting the outcome uh, to, to the point where you've got, say, a last-minute uh, goal to go one way or the other, no, if you're trying to tell me that's scripted, you're entitled to that opinion, but to me, on this particular topic, you don't know what you're talking about, you see? So I think it's good to have some of these uh, voices who are happy to say every now and then, uh, no. No, you clearly don't know what you're talking about. That particular skill? No. No, you've got fantasies in your head about how far the the, uh, the deception goes, you know? Just my opinion. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't even think every game is scripted. It's just the, just the critical ones where everyone's betting and has money on it and the outcome is important to be a certain way. Yeah. But well, I'm telling you, the match the, today, the match today that I watched was one of the two biggest... Go ahead, uh, no, let me Let me... Let me... Because um, the state of origin is huge as well. This is probably one of the five biggest matches of any sporting variety in Australia. It could very well be the biggest in terms of ratings and, and betting, but to, to stay safe, let's say one of the five biggest. Okay? And so this idea that, oh, they script the really important ones. No, I'm telling you that today's match, I, I do not see evidence that it is scripted. I can tell you that it is influenced, Okay? Sometimes you'll see the umpires are clearly favouring one team over the other. In, in AFL, it happens regularly, right? And you can also see times when the league will... A player has, has done something wrong. They've punched somebody or they've um, been engaged in rough conduct. And how come he's only getting a two-week suspension? Oh, because in three weeks, they're playing this other team that often crowd. This kind of manipulation, all the time, all the time. And it's gotten worse in the AFL since the new... This new group of people have sort of taken over uh, in the last couple of years, like changing of the administration. Since they've taken over, grand finals, like the big match, has been populated by teams who used to lose all the time. There's been all these fairy tale stories the last couple of years, and I think that's no coincidence either. And in fact, there's a couple of matches where, if I could be bothered, I could show you evidence that, yes, the umpires are manipulating this match. So that does happen. But in terms of scripting it, like, we're going to have this finish, we're going to have these scores, no, no. As someone who is very sceptical of uh, everything we see on TV, and someone who is telling you right now, yeah, they do manipulate, they do manipulate the, the broader outcome. No, the the minutiae of it, like actually scripting the outcome of the game. No, that's that's. Uh, why would someone believe that? They don't need to do that. What what do they even need to do that for exactly? It, these people are making money with the sport. I guess some people will come back and they'll say, oh, no, like if you have, say, the Patriots versus, say, the, I don't know, what's another symbolic thing? The Patriots versus the Owls. Is there an Owls team? Let's just say hypothetically you've got the Patriots versus the Owls. I can see how you could say, oh, no, you want the Patriots to lose over against the Owls because the Owls symbolize the people who run the show proving that they dominate the American people or something like that. I can see that argument. I can see it, but it's it's not really an argument. It's just a conjecture. You know, you're just putting it out there, right? Other than that, uh, no, I think their agenda is just to keep eyeballs on the screen and to keep making money, keep the docile masses docile, uh, full of alcohol, full of uh, full of ads for all kinds of shit they don't need. Some of the ads I saw on the screen today, I was like, whoa, this is this actually works on people? Jesus. But, uh, but no, scripting it, no, I don't think so. I love how so many elite sports players have ads for AFC. It's like so counterintuitive. But 
Oh, bro, you should have seen it. The team that won today is called West Coast, and their sponsor, for as long as I've been watching football, so 20 years, is Hungry Jacks. And so the, they won, and then their um, winning player gets up or their winning coach gets up, and, of course, they have to thank the sponsors. And who do they have to thank? Hungry Jacks. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Some of these dudes are, like, in elite physical condition. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Hungry Jacks. <laughs> It's funny too well, because one of, the, one of the other sponsors, one of the other sponsors for West Coast is BHP Billiton because they're from Perth, and of course Perth is like Perth is a major city of the mining region of Australia, or, or the well-known region of Australia for for sort of mining and uh, resources, these kinds of things. So that's why I guess that's why they're sponsored by BHP. It still seems strange to me that like normally you would think sponsors would be people who sell direct to the public. Does BHP do that? I, I don't know. I don't, Maybe I'm out of completely out of touch, but it yeah, just seems strange to me that he's got. I convinced him it's good for the brands. Oh, it's publicity. It's advertising. Yeah, but they yeah, don't sell to the public. Is what he's saying. Like no yeah, one's going to go buy stuff from the HP Billiton. Uh, yeah, exactly. Major mining and manufacturing. Yeah, but it's yeah, yeah, it's corporate goodwill. It's other companies that want to do business. Retail isn't the only business that goes on. There's lots of business to business. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I mean, everyone knows BHP Billets in Australia too. Like, suppose you're McDonald's and you've got a new promotion, a new McDonald's monopoly promotion, right? You're promoting that to the masses in the hope that they're going to go and uh, buy more food to win more prizes, yeah? They might get the whole set of Mayfair and win themselves a car or whatever. So you're trying to affect their behavior sort of in the, in the moment, maybe even on the way home from the game or whatever. But uh, these, these larger mining companies, it, it's, uh, it does seem, it seems peculiar to me, but yeah, I'm sure there are reasons. I'm sure it's more but like, um, just they, on the they, they need good public will, like public goodwill the next time they get given a, a generous, um, land. Who, like, who knows? Who knows? I'm sure there are reasons. I'm just saying, strange that you've got, yeah, you've got the winning captain gets yeah, up there. And he says, need awareness. I want to thank BHP Bulletin. And I want to thank Hungry Jacks. And, uh, yeah, strange stuff. That McDonald's anyway. monopoly promotion, that's not so much. To consume the the main the car's just the lure to get people to peel those little stickies off to get the codes. The reality is all that to play that game you need to do it in the smartphone app. So it's all about tracking consumer behaviour so they can more effectively market in the future. It's not it's not about winning a car just to immediately buy a McDonald's. And who is checking this right? Who is the watchdog who is checking to see that people actually win all of these prizes? Right? How big is that watchdog committee? The average person, they'll try and tell you otherwise, but the, the evidence of how they live their lives tells you the truth. The average person, if you pay them enough to pretend to be a watchdog, it's like, oh, we've got an independent watchdog. These, these six individuals check to make sure the prizes are real. All right, then just pay those six individuals. How much would you have to pay them? 150 grand? That'd be enough. If they won't do it, someone else will. Oh, yeah, man, we've ticked off on this. We know that Susie Brown from Broadmeadows got the car. We know that Gavin... Jenkins from the the northern the northern beaches of Sydney won the plane. Give me a break. How well, easy the are you to just make up? They've got to ensure the whole competition. Yeah. So it's an insurance company that actually does the checking of the day. Like we used to do radio promotions where you could, and it was such a rort because you could win a chance to win a million dollars. So all the draws weren't to win a million dollars. It was to win a chance to win a million dollars out of a you know fifty. One in fifty chance to win the actual million, and there's no there's no checking from any official body, government body or anything. It's just the insurance company that you're offsetting the cost with, 
they do, their radio station puts down 20 grand, and if that person wins, then they haven't got to pay anything. It's the insurance company that costs up the win, uh, you know, costs up the winnings. It's just an insurance thing. So the insurance company is the only one that's going to check anything. Well, you know, in George Orwell's 1984, he speaks about the lotto being. That's in there too. It's it's amazing how much yeah. is in that book that people don't know because they just watch. The yeah, he speaks about the lotto being fake. But it gives yeah, people a, a chance passage. to dream. I've quoted that many times. I've quoted that passage many times. Yeah, it's very good. Very good passage. I just posted another post on what I think are a bunch of actors and or fake winners of a lottery. It's uh, the whole reason why lotteries were brought on by the government is because there's always private lotteries and <clears throat> people... People didn't trust private lotteries, or maybe there was a lot of fraud going on with private lotteries, so the government took over the big ones, or started the big ones, with, and, and then, of course, everyone trusts the government, so they figured that was a good way of making sure the lottery was on the level. But it's supposedly paid for the Harbour Bridge. Well, I think the lotteries are... Now, I don't know if they were ever public here, but they're now private corporations. They're crown corporations. I'm sure you have crown corporations there. And, and very fraudulent idea. And therefore, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend it. Is that breaking up or is it just and, me? No, nah, Ab's breaking up big I time. I think it's just you. Oh, I am breaking no, up? No, it is. Oh, okay. I got anyway. All right. Well, anyway, our, our government is a corporation that runs the lottery, a government corporation. And I think, I don't think they ever pay out the big money. I think there's lots of little prizes, but yeah, the big prizes, I agree, they don't go anywhere. Because well, they how don't many come times do you see the news back. article, a couple wins for the third time in a row? It's like, really, they won for a third time? How yeah, often do you hear stories about syndicates? Beyond syndicates. astronomical. You hear lots of stories of people like being in a syndicate at work or whatever. The syndicate one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I mean, a work a work syndicate. A syndicate from blah 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 blah. blah. A syndicate. syndicate. Well, we got a big crowd tonight. Got an ounce of salt dropped by, and Tom is still there but not listening. So. Fast value was here earlier as well. All the didn't get to hear from him. Oh yeah, fast value came in. That noise is coming to us ah, from an ounce of salt per day. Uh, so the George Orwell quote, for those who are interested, is, this is straight from 1984. The lottery, with its weekly payout of enormous prizes, was the one public event to which the proles paid serious attention. Winston had nothing to do with the lottery, which was managed by the Ministry of Plenty, but he was aware, indeed everyone in the party was aware, that the prizes were largely imaginary. Only small sums were actually paid out, the winners of the big prizes being non-existent persons. That's straight from 1984. I brought this up, actually. I brought up the, yeah. the, the lottery hoax idea, not directly with someone. In fact, I brought it up with several people, and with, like with normies, just regular, you know, the, what, what George Orwell would call the proles, just the regular people. And uh, sure enough, if there's someone who plays a lottery, they'll always have a story of, oh, no, I know someone who, who won. Like, they, they've always got yeah, this story yeah, of this person yeah. they know who knows. So, oh, no, I know this person who knew this person who won second division or whatever. And it's like, maybe they did. I don't know. Yeah. So do I believe that all well, the prizes they, they say are one or actually one, or they won the little one? Yeah, they won the little one. I don't know how the lottery one, works. Yeah, I don't know how the lottery works in your country, but here we've got like first division, second division, third division. I don't know how many divisions there are. Obviously, I don't play lottery, but 
Uh, yeah, some, everyone knows someone who knows someone who no, no, runs second is. division. So, and maybe, I mean, that'd be a pretty clever ruse oh, too. Yeah. Just pay out second division every now and then, right? Keep first division for yourself. Keep third, fourth. Maybe pay out a few sixth divisions. Keep the lemmings thinking they're in, they're in, they're in the game. And, uh, yeah, it'd be that easy. And who's going to check? And then, well, if you, if you run, you someone, expect the government to be trusted. Why are we getting all this noise from Frank? Frank, what's going on, man? We're getting noise. Frank, speaker mute. Speaker forever mute. Oh, you might have to server mute him. Nah, he's muting himself. That's or maybe cool. he's talking. Maybe he's talking and not getting through. I, I thought I heard his voice. I'd, I'd be interested to get his thoughts. With the squeak, I just muted him. But if you want me to unmute him, I will, but let's see if it comes back. Oh, okay. No, I don't think he's trolling us. I don't think he's trolling us either. I think it's just a technical glitch. On the other channel. No, it's still doing it. Frank, we can't hear you, man. If you're speaking, we're just getting a very strange sound. Getting garble. Digital garble. Go back. Mail noises. Yes. It's a shame. Like, I, wanted to with him. I wanted to get his opinion about the game today. He, he lives in Geelong. Geelong's very football focused. I wanted to get his opinion. I want to say, oh. Frank, do you believe these games are scripted well, or do you believe they're real? I believe they're real. We in North America part. know none of what you speak. Yeah, but it, it applies to everything. And I should say, actually, I take back what I, the, the Patriots example, because that's now we're talking about like American football, right? The amount that they're paid, I think you actually could script those games. Like, if, like not that I believe they're actually paid what we're told, but oh, once you get to that size of an organization, sure, you could just pay, oh, yeah. pay athletes <laughs> to play out a script. A re- it is going to be difficult to script like 60 meter throws and like that. That stuff you don't really script that. But in terms of like highly, highly planned, they, highly choreographed, they're the best at their sport. That's why they. That's why they are entertainers. Nah, I don't think a lot of choreography. I think you need. A, I think the officials definitely and people know this to be true. They accept the fact that officials can make or break a game. So definitely going to start or stop action based on an outcome that, that is desir- desirous for for the whole complex, for the whole league. Sure, Frank, I just want to say something about, um, do you want me to read Frank's comments? He started writing to us in text. He says, my comments are about BHP. The purpose of this oh, football is to mollify the masses over the ridiculously low tax rates they pay following the revamp of the so-called mining tax, which effectively eliminated royalties ah. on massive iron ore shipments. Mm, yes. It's like public yes. goodwill. They're buying goodwill. Yeah. Yes, they're yeah. buying goodwill. Absolutely. It's corporate PR. And, yeah, corporations spend lots of money on PR just to keep, what Frank said, keep the masses mollified. Very well done. Yeah, it's not all about retail. Retail is only a tiny part of business. Most of the big business is business to business. So you still need a brand mollify. and you still need to make it mollify, M-O-L-L. That's a good word. Good word. Appease the anger or yeah. anxiety of someone. That's good. Good word, mollify. Right. What's the root of that word, molly? That's an excellent question. Why don't we say <laughs> mollify? Let's look up etymology. the etymology. Etymology. It comes from, this is according to Google, my friends at Google, it comes from the Latin mollus, which means soft. And then the little, ah. um, the little like uh, tree, little you know those little arrow trees they do. Then it goes into Latin mollificare and French mollif- mollifier, I guess, which it doesn't give a meaning for. Straight yeah. into mollifier. 
make soft or supple. So you're making soft or supple there, Angus. I mean, that's so when or Molly, do you think? Probably, eh? I have, my, I have no idea. Anyway, like, it's getting to 10 p. I'm, this has been a great chat, by the way. I really enjoy it. And uh, I can stick around for a little while, but oh, I hate to, uh, I hate to uh, oh, change... I with you guys. Yeah, I hate to, like, change the subject or go back to something, but that um, plane discussion, though, that I did find that very, very interesting. That, um, first thing I didn't realise that Velocet was a plane fuel truther or a plane fuel hoaxer or a plane fuel um, believer that it's not real, but... Uh, but secondly, well, because I never thought of this, I never thought of this angle. Because like, you know, when people say, why would they fake a plane disappearing? It's like, well, obviously, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they're faking these stories. All I can do is offer you one creative possibility. You have to create news. You have to create news that people are going to follow and are interested in. I love a good plane crash story, don't you? Mm, I love it. It seems to keep up the end of the things in life, I generally. Maybe this particular instance is not dangerous at all. and. You know, maybe a lot more people would fly if they knew it was as safe as it maybe is. Yeah, but again, yeah, that, that, that's not. suggesting that they don't want people to fly, which flies in the face of the fact that flying is so cheap. Like, it, why would they not want people but, to fly? Does there always have to be a great big agenda behind every hoax psyop? If the news needs content and they need people watching to sell advertising, then they, they have to create the content. And a plane crash, that's a great story. Well, appeal to people's, you know, primitive desires, you know, horrible death and... Yes. Like, that side of it, I agree. That's and what, isn't they, that's it... That's a new story it, that you've got to have... And isn't it for these MH stories, they never get resolved. And in the end, I think MH17, the final report was, we'll never know. What a great mystery. It goes down in history as unsolved forever. So you can just keep up with all your little theories and stories. And no one, will, the official story will not dispute them. Again, they're just manufacturing news, and it has to be good stuff. What, what kind of okay then? People okay watch? then, they but watch. but if that's the case, say the MH yeah. plane crash. Okay, so all of the news outlets around the world benefit from having this extra story to get attention, sell papers, yeah. whatever, right? But who's footing the bill for that particular yeah. operation? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like someone has um, planted some, like, remember how they put that supposed wreckage in a field somewhere and they had that dude with a gun standing on it? It's in one of your banners, actually. Someone's had to do that. Now, I'm not saying that someone is responsible for that. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, who, who is putting the bill and putting in the effort to fake a plane disappearing? I mean, I guess you could argue that all of the news agencies are ultimately controlled by the same people. So, you know, it's, it's all in it together, I suppose you could say that, but... But then you still have the issue of why a plane, why a plane disappearing. You can make up any story about anything. Like, is it possible there's some other, some other element to it as well? And is it possible that yeah, they like, they like, what they want to do is have people think that planes crash because that makes them seem more believable. Whereas if these planes were truly like invulnerable, they they did not crash, then the fact that they are super technology would be far more obvious. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm open to that as well. I think it's mutually beneficial to different narratives. Like, you do get the news cycle out of it. I'm flying. Your, your example of flights being so cheap is, is good example of that. Exactly, like, exactly. Because even domestic flights here, you can get around Australia quite cheap these days compared to what it used to cost. 
you know, if you had heaps of people they'd have to also ramp up the amount of news stories of crashes and things, I don't know. Well, you I know mean, when I was... If you look at flight radar, it appears there's a lot of planes in the sky at any one time already. So about 10 years ago, I bought into the whole um, peak oil myth, the peak oil hoax. I actually bought into that nonsense. And at the time, it was kind of being suggested that, you know, plane flights won't be this cheap in the future. Like, even just 10 years in the future, oil is going to keep going up and, and whatever. Whereas, yeah, you're right, it does seem as though... It, this, it does seem very cheap to fly. I wonder if there's anyone who's keeping a check on this to see, like, the relative cost of flying, you know what I mean? Like, um, the, the, the index, like an indexed cost, a chart to show you how expensive it is for the average person to fly, say, transatlantic now, over time. So from the first time it happened today, is this, in fact, the cheapest it's ever been to fly? I'm going to investigate that. Uh, so I'm going to put myself on mute. I'll be back in a minute, guys. You've got me... See, this is what I like. I like it when I get my brain thinking through things, wanting to look into things. For me, this is an enjoyable way to spend a Saturday evening, right? What do other people do with their Saturday evenings? This is a serious (laughs) question. This is a serious question that I want to ask. While John goes off and researches that, I'll speculate that it probably is the cheapest it's ever been relative to the economy. I mean, I have this suspicion that the the whole uh, economy of it, like you look at the way they cram people in, like the amount of space you have in an aircraft, they can obviously carry quite a few people. Like weight-wise, they can carry a lot of people under the proviso that you get crammed into a relatively small tin can. And then you've got first class and business class at, you know, exorbitant rates compared to the economy passenger to offset that uh, quite low price that costs the average person to play. And if they're willing to put up with up to 12 hours of discomfort, they can be on the other side of the world. Oh, whoops. I was meant to be on mute. Was, were you guys hearing me typing just then? Yes. I'm, I apologise. I was meant to be on mute. I apologise for that. But I've got some good news. No, it's a good sound drop. It's like the enthusiastic under what result you <laughs> well, get this. I've got an article. This is from August 17, 2018. So this is from, let's say, six weeks ago. It's from CNN Travel. The headline is, Why It's Now Cheaper Than Ever to Fly Across the Atlantic. Why It's Now Cheaper Than Ever to Fly Across the Atlantic. I'll just read you a couple of lines. Gone are the days when flying across the Atlantic would routinely cost a small fortune. In fact, options for taking affordable transatlantic flights from cities across Western Europe have grown hugely with the arrival of new low-cost and the introduction of stripped-down fares from the traditional airlines. And then it goes on to uh, list a whole bunch of planes and airlines, and uh, it makes the argument that, yes, this is, in fact, the cheapest fly. So just think about that. So this idea, not, not, not that I'm trying to have a go at, at uh, you, Velocity, who has this idea that they're trying to stop flying, but how, does that, how do you reconcile with how cheap it is to fly? And they're even telling you how cheap it is to fly. How, how do you reconcile the idea that they don't want you to fly with that? The, the two do not go together, I'm afraid. I wasn't, I don't think I was saying that they don't buy product of the news cycle. I agree with what Ab's saying. That news cycle's there to put out the, the news about it. If you like this audio and want to support the site in a small or big way, please hit the PayPal donate button on the side of the fakeologist.com webpage. You can show your support for as little as $1.19 a month by subscription or one-time donation. Thank you for your support. You're listening to The Fakeologist, 29th of September 2018. It's currently 
10 o'clock here, Australian Eastern Standard Time in Australia, and you're joined in live stream chat by an ounce of salt, Frank, from down there in Geelong uh, on the south coast of Sydney. We've got very fakeologist himself, Aberrado, John LeBond, Brisbane and johnlebond.com, as well as Tom Dalpra and Rollo sitting there listening quietly. And we should say that uh, Geelong basically the southwest of Melbourne, not Sydney, but we know what you mean. You really do have a natural don't you, Bill You are a natural, my friend. Plenty of practice. Plenty of practice, yeah. Now we've got an all-star cast on the Ecologist Discord server tonight. And, so uh, yeah. Just to wrap up that point, so the, the idea that people crash, yes, it serves the news cycle, keeps the headlines busy, and at the same time, it, it, it helps sell the big lie, the whole evolutionary, uh, you know, fossil fuel, the whole thing is just there to feed that myth. I'm not saying they're specifically trying to prevent people from flying, because you're right, it's cheaper than ever. But in, in a sense, the idea that planes crash lends credibility to the idea that there's fuel and things that catch on fire and it is, in fact, dangerous, when I don't think it is. Well, I suggest you go light some fires. Uh, go light some uh, jerry cans and tell me if, if fuel doesn't ignite. Sorry about that. That's that's silly. Who's who's suggesting that air fuel doesn't ignite? Though I don't think anyone's suggesting that. Wait, well, I thought that's what he just said. If there's no fuel in the plane, then crashes lend credibility to the idea that there's fuel to catch on fire, which there might not be. Is all I'm saying. Oh, there's lots of fuel in planes. I have no problem believing that. I think Believe the biggest it. thing with planes is they have no... They, I, I am sure of that. There are, the biggest thing with airplanes, as I've said many times, is they have no pollution control devices on them. So everything that comes out of there is probably pretty toxic, whether or not uh, it's toxic in the air. But it's definitely toxic probably around the airports. And anyone that lives around an airport will know all the... All the all the uh, exhaust that precipitates down, pretty uh, pretty extreme, pretty extensive. Uh, let's see. So in the general chat, in the hashtag general chat for verified uh, members of this Discord server, I've posted an image. This is from the Washington Post, and it shows the average round trip U.S. domestic fare, inflation adjusted, two thousand eleven dollars, and uh, as you can see there. 1980, but it's a clear downward trend. A clear downward trend. It's getting cheaper and cheaper to fly. So it's um, yeah, it's it's easy to fly. It's easy to get around the world. It's easy to chat with people around the world. So it's never been easier. It is a phenomenal time to be alive. And yet, and yet somehow there are people trying to tell me that the people giving us this technology are, are evil, bad people. And I used to actually. Buy into that myself a little bit. So. so, so the basis of that, John, in my view, is simply that. Um, hi, Frank. The the high goes. The more and more you turn the world into tar and cement, the less well off we are overall. Your, I guess, your view is that is that progress is a good thing. Uh, not so much progress because that's obviously a loaded term. And uh, don't get me wrong, like the idea of having cheap airfare. I'm not suggesting that there's no agenda behind that because think about it the more people can travel the more they're going to travel meet people from other countries and the more we're going to see multiculturalism right because absolutely yeah somehow they seem to have seeded into people's brains here in australia that all of these foreigners are coming on boats like boat people whatever 
But even according to the official stats, the so-called boat people are a tiny fraction of the migration. The migrants are coming in by air, by planes. You Absolutely. See. About, about three or 400,000 a year are staying. That's correct. We yeah. Yeah. you flew here. Yeah, so seeing, I mean, not much better. It's, but, but just, it's just in general, but just, uh, avoid, uh, you know, moving away from that topic to the one that you, you said, that they, you know, they, the people that are delivering these technologies um, don't, may not have our best interests in heart. Your view is that, that they do have our best interests at heart? Mm, I wouldn't phrase it like that because who are, who are our? So when we say like our best interests or they're trying well, to hurt say, us what, or whatever. What about, what about you personally then? I don't think they care about me personally as an individual. They've, they've, yeah. got, they've got hundreds of millions of humans and the future of, of what we call humanity, that's what they're concerned about. An individual like me, they couldn't care. So if I identify as one of the us, as one of the group, even just for the sake of argument, do they have my, like our best interest at heart? Well, even then, it's a, that's a value judgment, isn't it? Some people yeah, believe sure. so that... The, so some, the, people, some people believe that a caste system of alphas, betas... Uh, epsilons, gammas, deltas. Some people believe that that this is a bad thing. You don't want to assist a caste system, right? They see this as an inherently evil thing to to produce humans in uh, in designated uh, castes like that. Other people might see this as a good thing. And so, if what they have in store for us is a is an overt caste system, then who am I to say that this is our best interest or not? That'll be based on my subjective opinion on is this good or bad. Yeah, so if, I, so if I throw the biblical filter over it, the biblical model, what you have is then a, a, is a kind of um, view that, the, that we're being turned into godlike creatures. We have godlike powers. We can shape the world. We can fly around like supernatural beings in planes and drive cars and all sorts of things. And the alternative view is that, that we live in the creation as given us by God, the current situation is that the acceleration towards a mechanised, citified world, living in high-rise towers, towers of Babel and communicating on devices as we are now, that that path is accelerating, isn't it? And the point you made before, I thought, was that um, there's no evidence that this is a a bad thing, for want of a better word, a a negative thing for um, us as as, um, people. Yeah, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. So, I do not see myself as necessarily one part of a broader group. Whether that group is humanity in general, or it is white people, or any of these things, I no longer buy into that collectivist mindset. I see myself as an individual. So, do I think the people who run the show have uh, evil intention for me? Me as a person, as I interact with the world? No, they've given me this most amazing magic that I can talk with Frank from Geelong. This call costs me not a cent. I mean, we've been over this. I'm not going to bore the listeners, but you know what I'm talking about. This is, this is magic that they've given me. As, like, for what purpose? Like, of course, they haven't given it to me at all. They've given it to, to the people, to the masses. Okay, so, so I have access to it. But I don't see what's happening to the masses as necessarily a, an attack on me as an individual. So I see people, some of the stuff that you see, like even just down at the cafe where I sit, and some of the stuff that you see the people doing to themselves and doing to their children, 
it goes against what I consider to be good or right. And they're being encouraged to do a lot of that by the TV and by, you know, so in that sense, is bad being done? On my value judgment, yes. But I don't have to be part of that. I don't have to, I don't have to brainwash uh, my children with nonsense about ancient history and dinosaurs and outer space and all this nonsense. If I, if I had children, I don't have to feed them fast food or poisons. I don't, I don't have to do any of that. And insofar as people do do that, I think the responsibility lays with the people themselves. So what I'm trying, to suggest, you, what I'm trying to suggest to you is I'm benefiting from what they give the masses, and that's what I focus on. I don't, I don't sit and lament the situation for humanity or the other humans around us. Sure, and, not and I think doing. On, that, on that outcome we completely agree. The, the reason I made my comment was simply to say to you that the progress of technology in my view, is for a particular purpose. It's for the purpose of, um, um, if you like, disconnecting people from the creation and the creator. That's my view of what it is. And, and I agree, in your case, it, there's no problem there. You, your views generally seem to be, yeah, well, it's here, I'm going to make use of it, as I do. I mean, in my business, for example, I quite happily automate the whole thing so that um, there's, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, no employees in my business because I use all of the gifts that are given to me, and, you know, and, and including an internet site, etc., to just keep the thing as as simple as possible from a people point of view. And, and I enjoy the benefits of the world that's given to us. But the reality is that a continuation of this mechanisation is going to disable a large number of the of the people here, in my view. Well, Frank. Uh Maybe it's time to ask if dehumanisation is such a bad thing because good or bad, it is so. Network, Howard Beale, right? This is the point that he was making in Network. Those are his words. Humans are becoming, what does he say, deodorised, whiter than white. He goes through this list of what is happening to the humans and, of course, he's got the live audience there with him and he's explaining this to them. And he says, whether this is good or bad, it's happening. And I guess one of the things I'm trying to question for myself and for anyone who wants to listen to say is who convinced us that it's bad in the first place? Who, who put this idea in our head that this change is necessarily Let's say there is an overt agenda to give this technology to the masses to separate them from creation, from the earth, from their families, from their friends, from all of this, for want of a better term, natural stuff to get them from that into this virtual world where they play video games all the time, where they have their, these kind of conversations digitally rather than with their neighbours and all this kind of stuff. Who's to say that that is necessarily a bad thing anyhow? Why, what, maybe it is bad. I'm not saying it's definitely not, but why do I just assume that? Why do I take that for granted? Who put these ideas in my head? Why is it, why is it necessarily a bad thing? Okay, so the point is that it's a model put forward to you. One of, one of the models is that there is a creator and that there's a Satan opposing him. And the model is that um, these goodies that we're given are to glorify Satan and not glorify the creation. The other model is that there is no creator, that there is no Satan, and that these goodies that we've got are simply from our own, um, you know, just from our own imaginations, our own creativity, and we've just evolved. And... It's really a matter for people to test those two models for themselves and, and look at the value in them for themselves, is it really what I'm saying. And I thought uh, Dave J 
dropped a gem a couple of days ago when he said it's really a, a, a people choosing between living in the world or living on the earth. Okay, so this idea like the, the dualism between the inherent good or the inherent bad, you know, between um, goodness or evil, even just that dualism, who put that idea in us? And, and well, why do so few people seem to sort of reflect on this and think in their own minds with that internal dialogue that some of and I think that you do, and I think a lot of the listeners to this, why do we not use that internal dialogue to explore, why do I buy into this idea of a good versus evil dichotomy? Who put that there? Okay, well, the, the answer to that is there are some people that think there is dualism and some people that don't. In the end, it comes down to a dualistic argument. Yeah, and it sounds like you, you buy into that, and that's cool. I'm not going to try and change your mind. But it's, it's, not a case of, it's not a case of buying into it. It's a case of testing one model versus the other. Um, either it is a dualism or it's not a dualism. Which one provides you with the best way to live, the most effective way of living your life? Yeah, that makes sense for me. And normally when I listen to you, Frank, I listen to a man who sounds like content with right? I don't know if you really are, but from what I hear, you sound like a man who is at peace. However, there's a, and that's with the model that you have, good versus evil model that you have, right? But there are lots of people in this scene who do not sound like they're at peace they do not sound like they're content, and they see the world as being headed in this direction towards evil. And I wonder if there is some kind of relationship between this mindset of, I'm not happy with my life, and this world is headed towards doom, and to me it seems like it might be kind of a chicken and egg situation. People who are not happy with their life project that into seeing this world headed towards a bad place, or maybe I... people who see the world headed towards a bad place start to become miserable with their life. It seems to me kind of I chicken and egg circular thing. I so if, some, if someone says to me what you say, Frank, even a good versus bad is a model to explore how to live your life and you let it... I'm totally cool with that. I'm totally cool to, to reach contentedness. My concern is more with where I was a couple of years ago and where I think a lot of people are today, which is that they're confusing their, their misery, their life, with what's happening in the world. Because to me, what's I, happening in the world is amazing. It's truly an amazing gift every day to me is a gift, and I think, look at, look at what I can do. I have got endless opportunities to do whatever I want to do, to learn whatever I want to learn, speak with whoever I want to speak with. I can do whatever I want. This is freaking amazing. And yet, and yet, this scene is populated by people who say, no, this is bad. This is real bad. This is real bad time to be alive. People who gave this, uh, gave, gave this technology to us, they're evil. And it's, and it's like, damn, man, I, I was in that mindset, and that, that was not a good place that I was in. And that was I mean, my fault. This is, not, this is not me trying to blame people in this scene. No, no, that was entirely no, I was. I, I assure you I was in that same place. Uh, you know, I thought that the technology was about nuclear weapons and all those sort of things and that we're all, as they say, going to hell in a handbasket. I don't see the world that way at all anymore. I don't see the world in that way at all. But at some point, the idea is that we can use these gifts that we have to establish our... Um, a way of living with each other so that it is constructive, not destructive. For example, there simply is no reason to continue to accelerate the use of our resources. There's simply no reason to continue to build enormous cities with hardly anyone in them. You know, if you, if you look at the amount of buildings that there are compared to the level of occupancy, it's quite tiny. For example, most of the buildings in Melbourne are unoccupied for... 120 hours of the 168 hours a week. There is a kind of 
uh, crazy use of the gifts that we're given that make no sense. And it would take simply a change of mindset to make those gifts really constructive for people and gentle so that people are not working in crazy, useless jobs. They're they're in in that way living lives that are enjoyable and and, um, peaceful. Yeah, yeah. well, I think I'm at more peace now with this mindset that I've developed, which isn't to say that I'm perfect or always happy or anything like that from it, but that's um, almost existential angst of, like, oh, no, how, how am I born in such a bad time? Uh, that I can relate to. When I hear people speaking like this, I have had people tell me in the last few months, several people have communicated with me directly, either verbally or in, in written communication, that they too can relate to that. And they too feel as though they've escaped it and they feel better and their life has improved and their relationships with real life people have improved because they're no longer in that mindset. And when I get that kind of feedback, I can't tell you how fantastic that is to hear that. I can't describe that to you in words. It's like, it's, um, you know, all the hoaxes are very interesting to me. Fascinating. That's why I've dedicated two years of my life, you know, time that I still don't know how other people are spending theirs, but this is how I've spent mine. And they're all fascinating to me, but ultimately, ultimately they're trivial in comparison to how we actually relate to the world in our own heads. And for me, the idea that the people at the top are evil, that is in fact a hoax. That is much more important to me than the dinosaurs or outer space or any of this stuff. It's like, okay, I used to believe in time. I used to believe the Earth was inhabited by these gigantic lizard bird creatures. And uh, now I see that that's just, that's just silly. Okay, that's interesting, cool, but so what, ultimately? How about I used to interact with the world around me as though I was a victim of circumstance being born in this time because look at all the bad that's happening. Whereas now, every day, I see opportunities everywhere. I see potential everywhere. I see my future being whatever I want it to be, thanks largely to the magic that was given to me by people who I'll never meet. This is, this is magic they've given me that I can use to do whatever I want, to learn whatever I want. This is, a, this is an amazing time to be alive because I have seen through the evil boogeyman hoax. Well, in, in fairness, though, John, I don't think you would describe modern medical practice as being helpful to you. Nope, and that's where when I went through my darkest... A couple of years ago when I learned about birth trauma, I can... I can oh, boy. When I learned about that, it was... Uh, mm, bad, and I, and I, don't think, I don't think we could describe the modern education system as being helpful to young people I, you know I would I would describe well certainly my education is reasonably traumatic and no doubt in the modern world where they have phones to amplify the bullying and and need for social acceptance it must be a nightmare for people's brains uh, young people's absolutely brains. No. schools are retard factories it's that simple a school yeah. is a retard factory it's a place to churn out production line humans whose progress intellectually and spiritually has been held back, retarded. In the literal sense of the term, that's what school exists to do. You know that and I know that, 100%. So on the basis of those two things that I've just said, and given that those um, institutions are guided by, if you like, the leaders of our world, I think there's a, a little bit of data there that the leaders of our world are behaving less than well, let's say. In other words, but the, you're, the, you're, leaders, you're, the leaders you're, send their own children to school, as far as we know. I mean, the Prime Minister of this country will send their children to school, okay? The, the big businessmen send their children to school. 
So the, the, the high people who are high up in the social are still part of the system. Well, in fact, the managing director... No one's director forcing us. No one's forcing us to send our kids. If I had children, no one's forcing me to send that child to school that I'm aware of. People will try and tell me, oh, no, nah, if you don't send them to school, I'm like, well, show me when this happened. I'll, I'll look at the evidence, but so far, I have not seen evidence that they actually force children to go to school. Parents do that, okay? Same with the birth trauma. Who is forcing parents to get ultrasounds? No one's forcing you to have an ultrasound and fry your baby in the womb. No one's forcing you to do that. The parents are choosing. Oh, we want to find out the gender of the baby. We, we want to... The, the parents are the ones making the decision. Now, you and I can agree the parents are making this decision out of ignorance, but it has literally never been easier in recorded history to bring ourselves out of ignorance, has it? To bring ourselves out of the dark into the light to learn the truth. Ultrasounding is harming your baby. If you choose to do that, you are choosing to have your baby harmed. Now, so, the masses so the have been given this technology. Is, so the point that I was making is, you, yes, you, you agree we can step out at any time. But someone, in my view, some group, some entity is creating a system that ensnare the unwary. And unfortunately, I was an unwary because I was a young child. I mean, I, I had the choice not to go to school, sure, but you know, hadn't, it didn't occur to me to exercise that right. Now, whose fault is that? Your parents or the people who run the show, the powers that be? Whose responsibility were you? Well, why, why is that snare even created, John? Why is there darkness? You know, like, you can't have light without dark. So the point um, I'm making... You and I can, you and I can you, point you, to you, any you element of reality. But you and I can point but, to but any you have element of reality that we don't... That someone is setting a snare. Well, no, I'm not agreeing to someone doing it because... And I don't mean this to be like a tangential point, but this idea that there is one person or one group of people, this, this is also an idea being challenged. So it's easy to imagine there's some people who are at the top, and there very well could be. I'm not saying that's not the case. It could be. But we don't actually know. And what's more, we don't know when all this started. So if you say to me, who, uh, let's just use birth trauma in schools. Who created the system where children are retarded in the womb and then for the next uh, 18 years of life? Who, who created that? Well, I don't even know when that was created. This idea right. that we know so, what was happening so the question to is, me is quite... At the yeah. moment we have... To, I'll go back to an earlier point that I made. There are two models. One model is that we have all just evolved and the reason we're the way we are is because we've evolved this way and that some guys have got to the top and are doing these things for their own purposes. And, you know, they just, that's the way they maintain control. They kind of twig to all the stuff early on and et cetera, et cetera. And so they created these systems for their own purposes and they send their children to schools. And, but while they're attending the schools, they've kind of inoculated their own children to understand how the system works. So they're at the top of the school. So they enjoy the benefits of being the school bully like Tom Brown's school days or whatever. And then, the other model is that it is a spiritual battle. And in the end, it's up to people to decide for themselves which of those two models, and I know you don't like dualism, but as I said before, either it is dualistic or it's not. Um, you know, in the end, that's a dualistic argument. Well, it's, it's not that I don't like dualism. I'm just exploring this idea that we don't have to have that as our fundamental operating system. But that's not to say that I don't like dualism and there are certain instances where dualism serves a good purpose like 
dualism is useful, but in terms of how the world operates, is it good or evil, or is one thing good or evil, or the people who run the show good or evil? Well, who says they have to be one or the other? Who, who convinced us of that is my issue with dualism. But well, again, I'm, I, the only thing I can say is that there is some data pointing to nefarious motives and that I observe in the medical system and the education system. Yeah, which people, which humans, which humans are buying into willingly. You know, if you try and have a conversation with someone and say to them, hey, you know how you, you know you're expecting right now? You know you're expecting a child. Are you, uh, are you, yeah, are you planning to uh, have an ultrasound? And if they say, oh, yeah, what do you think is going to happen when you say to them, well, you know, I looked into this topic of ultrasound and I actually found this information that suggests that it could be harmful to the child. How do you think they're going to react to you or to me bringing this up? Yeah, that's right. Now, you, so what people have to do is to decide who's responsible for the human's behaviour. Is that human responsible? Are they completely bereft? Are they completely devoid of responsibility? Their thoughts, actions and behaviours, their attack on you when you try to learn the truth, that's not their responsibility. It's some other shadowy group's responsibility. I say if there is responsibility, then it is the human who's responsible. I'm responsible for the mistakes that I make. I take responsibility for the mistakes I make. I take responsibility. I have to wear the consequences. I don't try and... So, so for instance, right now, if I believe, for argument's sake, oil, coconut oil, I bought into this meme that coconut oil is good for. So I bought the jars of it, and I would have it. But I noticed that my heart rate seems to be higher after having my spoon of coconut oil. My body seems to feel weird. But I had bought into the meme that, no, no, coconut oil is good for me. But then I started to think, well, hold on, just because everyone says it's good for me, and, you know, people are putting it in their coffee and all this crap, I was like, no, my body is telling me that this is not good for me. So it took me a while to realize, no, this is, this is a hoax. The coconut oil health thing is, to me, a hoax. It took me a while to realize that. In the time that I was still trying to use it because I thought maybe it was good for me, that was my responsibility. I don't sit here and say, oh, no, I was deceived by the coconut oil hoaxers. I say, well, no, I was deceived. It was me. I was the one who was remaining in the dark. I take responsibility. And I think this is really the, the main sort of fundamental root of difference between me and people who will argue with me on this, on this idea is I'm saying that I'm responsible for me. And I'm saying that each individual can be responsible for themselves, but in fact, they don't want to do that. They do not want to take responsibility for who they are, where they are, what they are, somebody else's fault. They're basically still like children. Now, people will come back and they'll say to me, oh, that's, that's because they went to school and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, but so did I. I was born through the birth trauma industry. I went through more school than the average person. I went to university, the whole lot, mate. I did it all. And now I'm telling you right now, huh, all of what I was taught was crap. And I only learned all of that thanks to this magic. So do I, do I, do I sit here and I say, oh, well, you know, it's, I, I have taken responsibility for myself, but all the other living humans, it's not their responsibility? No, I say they can be responsible if they want. Some of them will choose to be. Some of them never will. And I now believe that's because they don't have internal dialogues. They are effectively non-player characters. But if that's the case, if they are so devoid of critical thought that they cannot make choices for themselves, then why is it evil for some other group to decide, well, that being the case, we're going to structure you in the society that we think is best, a caste system society, with alphas at the top and the epsilons at the bottom. And most of you lemmings are going to be... They, if they can't think for themselves, then... Someone's going to have to do that for them, aren't they? Now, I, I personally might not like some of the decisions that they're making with their caste system and their epsilons, but I'm not the one running the show. So it's very easy to sit here as an armchair critic and criticise things are going. Very easy to do that. But 
That's the whole point. It's easy when you're not the one doing it. I'm not responsible for the lemmings. And I wouldn't want to take responsibility for them either. And nor do I. It's difficult enough just being responsible for myself. It really is. Absolutely. And what if, what if most of the humans truly do lack an internal dialogue? They truly do lack a capacity for self-reflection, self-appraisal, self-awareness, uh, inner development. What if they truly do lack all those things? You, like you do realise that you're, you're speaking like a biblical person, John. You're talking about even the elect shall be, can be deceived, but there is an elect. Well, there's better than that, dude. How about Matthew 7, 6? Uh, Do not cast ye pearls before swine, lest they trample them and attack ye. Like, that's, that's how the world is, Matthew 7, 6. You try and put the truth in front of the lemming masses, and yeah, how dare you suggest I shouldn't radiate my innocent baby in the womb with ultrasound? How dare you suggest that? They will attack you for that. I get attacked all the time. My journey over the last four or five years has been but constant attack oftentimes from so-called supporters. For what? For speaking the truth? Oh, there's a lot of wisdom in that Bible, my friend, a lot, even if it is a hoax and was only written in hey, the 1850s. Fabulous book. John Bonet Ramsey Lebon. <laughs> in fact, I was going to make a reference to another Bible passage to you earlier, Frank, when we were talking about like, this idea that we're being um, taken away from the earth or like, from, from the real world by technology, which, by the way, I do agree with you. That is 100%. I've been able to have this I conversation with you. I very little we, we disagree on. Yeah, I get that impression all the time. I, I'm putting to you that I'm having a more serious, a more intellectually stimulating conversation with you, a person I've never met from Geelong, than I could have on these topics with many people who are technically family. Now, what does Jesus say about his brothers who won't follow him? Well, I can't remember that, but I, the only thing that comes to mind is that a prophet is never recognised in his own country. Well, Bill Hicks had a lot more fans had in the US, supposedly. So there's some evidence to support that. Yeah, like, so, so what if, what if the case that families, the way that humans are biologically, you're not going to get a situation where they're the same spirits. There'll be different spirits within a family as a matter of what we might call biology. Technology allows us to find people of similar spirit now. So a lot of us, there's a lot of people listening to this right now who they can't have these conversations with them. And they will never be able to. And every time they try, blending is up. However, thanks to technology, now they can find similar. And I'm just using the word spirit, but you can use any word you want. Mindset, outlook, resonance, wavelength, energy, whatever you want. Same idea. We can now find people who we want to spend our time with. I would rather chat with Frank from Geelong for two hours on a Saturday night than many people who are technically so-called family. Why is this? Because we're different spirits. They have their interests, I have mine. They have their ideas, I have mine. They have their lifestyles, I have mine. This is just the, the way of the world. And so technology now has opened up all of these other souls, all of these other potential spirits for me to spend my time with. How amazing is that? Now, is technology facilitating me to move further away from my family in that sense? And by further away, I mean both literally, thanks to cheap travel, I'll be moving to Thailand soon, I'm out of Australia. But also uh, in a, in a, in a non uh, physical sense, moving away further because I'm spending more of my time, giving more of my energy to people like yourself who I've never met in real life. That's less time than I'm spending on what you might call family. Yes, technology is doing that. But why is that a bad thing? Who has convinced us that's a bad thing? It's a thing. It's a thing, which we can see as being either good or bad, either. And me personally, I've noticed 
through repeated practice that if I have a positive attitude towards something, if a thing is what it is and I can't, then if I have a positive attitude towards it, my life seems to be better. And there is change happening in this world that I am not going to stop. Even if I dedicated my life to it, I cannot stop, I will not stop, it can't be stopped. This is happening. So do I sit around complaining about that or making the most of it? Do I sit around looking at the bad side or looking at the good side? Do I sit around looking at problems or do I all a matter of perspective? And this entire act realm is full of people who don't even realise just how negative they are. They are completely oblivious to it. Like the fish in water. They don't even realise that they're swimming in negativity. It's phenomenal. Once you really pull your head out of it and analyse it for what it is, it's phenomenal. And it explains all of their behaviour too. Because they'll try and have you believe that they're good people, here for good reasons, they want a better world. But their behaviour is, it contradicts that. Well, what I'm saying now, I think, explains that. Well, these aren't good people here for good things. They're miserable people here for misery. They're miserable, and they want you to be miserable, because misery... So they're complaining, not because they want to make the world... They want to make are, your you world talking, are you talking about the people on this site and listening to this There are some okay. on this site, but that's not a fault of Ab's, because Ab is one of the few people who demonstrates what I think is good behaviour. I mean, look how... Uh, look at how forgiving he is the people who've said bad shit about him made bad videos about him look how forgiving he is this year we've seen it with several people who've come back and has ab sat here and said stuff you for what you did no ab's been chill about it so but there are some people on this website who are very negative like and, and the amount of damage they're doing themselves and probably people in their lives they they couldn't imagine it they're doing it but they can't see it such is the mindset that they're in and they spread it to each other yeah, there are some on this website who are like that. But again, that's through no fault of abs, unfortunately. It's, it's the act realm that, that attracts these mindsets. Because the act realm will tell I you... I haven't sorry. noticed the people here. You know, to my mind, they seem to be reasonably comfortable living their lives well and they, they just come to these forums for a kind of a discussion. I'm talking about on this site. Yeah, this, this site has some pleasant people. Look how much time I've spent here. I've probably been part of like 50 or 60 audio chats now. Not all of them pleasant, of course, but uh, this call tonight has been fantastic. I've, I've spent, what, two hours here now? Three hours? I could have spent that time watching a movie or watching Netflix or so, going and ripping a bong or doing whatever people do. But I've spent it here. It's been so, fantastic. So my personal experience of the people here that I interact with this side is that they all seem to be living quite positive lives and kind of relaxed about life. Is that not your experience? No, and I'm not going to sit here and... But surely you're familiar with certain uh, regulars. And again, it's, it's not to do with fakeologists, uh, but there are just some people who are here who... Very negative energy, yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. But if you haven't noticed that, that's, that's totally cool. You and I are going to have different experiences because, okay, you've got your website and you put your ideas out there, but people will not see you generally, I wouldn't think, as abrasive as they see me. You know, I'm putting out a lot of ideas that are basically... Um, well, that's kind of interesting because Ab's kind this. of sacked me four times for being abrasive, I think. Yeah, and I think you know full well that sometimes you can, you can be a little bit semi-trolly, like you'll bring up Flat Earth. I mean, for instance, I'll give you an example, and this is not a criticism of you, but I'll just give you an observation that you can take or leave. When they were chatting with the new Cokes guy, Jesse War, you came on and wanted to start talking about Flat Earth when he hadn't even raised that issue. So you were kind of, in that sense, being abrasive, right? Well, people see me that way all the time. Even just bringing up topics like the war hoax, that in and of itself to people is abrasive from the get-go. People see me as being a troll for doing that too. Except I'm not doing that 
just mid-conversation. I'm making videos about that. I'm doing an entire podcast about that. So imagine how, like, some, some of the, the opprobrium that you might have received. Well, for me, that's just a matter of course. Every day I'm receiving that, for, including from people on this website. And what you'll generally find is there's an overlap, there's a relationship, a correlation between people who believe that there's some kind of collective, that is a, whether they call it a truth movement or a, like whatever they want to call it, anyone who believes some kind of collective awakening or something like this, they'll be the ones who generally hate me the most because they see what I'm doing is damaging their so-called movement or the energy that I'm putting into this, I'm not putting into it the way that they want. They want me to focus on this topic or another topic. They're generally the ones who will, um, yeah, they, they will have a negative uh, outlook on what I'm doing and they'll try and share that with me. They'll try and bring me down. They will try and say things to bring me down. They will intentionally set out to say and do things to bring me down. And generally there's a relationship between their belief in collectivism and that behavior. Now, what kind of person would seek to bring me down? These people have never even met me in most cases. What could cause them to want to do that? What's your view? I think it, it varies from person to person, but I think for a lot of people, the truth is they're not happy with their life. They're not happy. And that's understandable because there's a lot of traps that we can fall into in this world so that we end up miserable. And then what happens is they project that misery onto the world. And there are certain people who just seem to attract more of the attention than happens to be one of them. And I can't complain about that because in the line of work that I'm in, this comes with the territory. I think this is one of the main reasons why done what I'm doing. This is the main reason why no one's come out and said Nikola Tesla is a hoax. Dinosaurs, hoax. War, hoax. Why am I the first person to bring up some of these topics? Or why am I the person to take them further than, than anybody else has taken them before? Because I'm the only person who can handle these constant attacks. Not many people can handle this, man. It's, uh, it's phenomenal, the amount of negative energy that will be sent your way for doing what I'm doing. Sure, but I, I, I certainly don't think you're the first person to discuss Nikola Tesla or dinosaurs, by the way. But that's well, do you know okay. who do you know? And I'm happy to be. Who do you know who was putting out material on the Nikola Tesla hoax before me? I'm happy to not be the first. Honestly, I would love to. I would love to have people to learn from. That'd be fantastic. Sure. I, look, I don't think there is anything to learn from. But, uh, 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 but the, I think the points you're making about Nikola Tesla are correct, and obviously the point you're making about the dinosaurs being a hoax, are correct. But, um, it's different slightly from a conversation I had with you maybe a year ago where you'd gone to Queensland, or was it two years ago? You did a trip to some remote part of Queensland and had a look at a museum there? Yeah, it was almost 18 months ago, Winton, which is sort of halfway and, between and Brisbane and And I didn't get the impression Dal- from that conversation that you thought dinosaurs were a hoax at that stage. I'm not sure what impression you got, but I've been talking about the dinosaur hoax, I think, since 2015, I think. And uh, what impression I was giving you two years ago, I'm not sure. Dinosaurs, okay. evolution, nuclear bombs, the assassination of Franz Ferdinand, the Titanic, you name it, these are hoaxes. Straight up and down. Just like the evil boogeyman hoax. There was a dinosaur in the banner of your website going for the Dinoskeptic film. Yeah, the banner of my website's remained the same since I launched the site as it is today back in mid-2016. And it's a useful been, tool. Oh, yeah, and it takes on a different meaning. The more you learn about the, the the more that banner changes. I mean, even just... I had that chat with Lindsay a couple of weeks ago, and that's only available to members of John. So many listeners won't know what I'm talking about. But basically, I 
I used to do the podcast with, ARP, and uh, he is very, what some people might describe as Jew-wise, in the sense that he's aware of the over-representation of Jewish people in positions of social, such as king, these, the media, these kinds of things. But he was unaware of uh, Irene Zisblatt and uh, her story of repeatedly defecating and eating diamonds in the so-called Holocaust. So if he, even he was unaware of Irene Zisblatt, I'm sure many of the people who watch my videos would be unaware of her. Now every time they see that banner, they're going to see her holding up her finger. You know, five. They told us five, right? That banner is going to take on a new meaning. And that's even been the case for me, man. There's, there's been things that I didn't know, that I didn't know, that I've learned. It's the way that this journey is, is playing out. If I didn't know better, I would think there might be something going on. It's true. So who is, what's the purpose of the dinosaur hoax in your view? Again, these questions are difficult to answer because, again, when did the dinosaur hoax begin? You have to understand that the conception of time that most people have so, so, I, so have, I, could, I no longer if have I could that give you a model then, I'll give you a model of what I think. The model is that um, Armageddon did happen at the time of Christ and, and when he said in this generation, and that's why ancient Rome is, what we call ancient Rome, is buried under 30 feet of mud, etc. And we're digging out all these things. I and still believe that, in ancient Rome. And the thousand years of... Um, Christian peace ended about 1900 or, you know, sort of 1880 thereabouts when all of these hoaxes and effectively anti-biblical views generated, began commencing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. All right, I'm happy to answer that question. It's a hypothetical, so I'm happy to entertain it. But just quickly, do you still believe in ancient Rome? I do my best to not believe in anything. Because I believe ancient Rome is a hoax. never existed. There was no ancient Romans. There was no Caesar. All fake. Make-believe. Fantasy. But anyway, let's just say there was a, a Rome. So, so when they Let's dug out the, the arch and so on, you, you think that wasn't there? I'm not sure which arch you're talking about, but if you send me a link, I'll look. And, yeah, I'll make an assessment have right you, now based you, on everything have, I've seen in the past. My initial link would be, yeah, just, No, not yet, no. So there is a, there is a part where there's the ground level is sort of 30 feet above and they've got these stuff that they've dug out, which they... The, the the normal idea is that it was um, just detritus that people living in Rome for the past 2,000 years have allowed these buildings and so on to get buried in just as they walked around and it filled in. They never bothered to sweep the streets or keep them clean. Sounds like Pompeii to me because Pompeii is also a hoax. You know how all yeah. people just got yeah. suddenly covered? Hoax didn't happen. Hmm. But, yeah, let's just say time goes back. For the sake of argument, let's entertain the idea that there was really... A Darwin's bulldog, Thomas Henry Huxley, uh, around about the same time that he was putting out his idea, people start suddenly discovering dinosaurs, yeah? Because we're going back only a couple hundred years, is when they discover well, really, dinosaurs. We're really talking about a hundred years, I think. Yeah, yeah, even less than a couple hundred, it's even less than that. So, so we're talking a relatively short time frame. So let's argument, take all of that on face value that that actually did happen. These people existed, they found these dinosaurs when they say they did. I think... The dinosaur thing helps to promote a number of other hoaxes as well. So in a broader sense, what it helps is human evolution theory, fossil fuel theory, and just a general idea that time goes back so far. So in a broader sense, that's what that hoax helps. But on a smaller scale, it's a huge money spinner. Look at films like Jurassic Park. People are making money from this, big money. 
And why is that? Because humans love stories. And what is a better story than these ancient monsters that used to roam around the world that have since gone extinct, but hey, our scientists are so good, they might come back again. It's monsters for adults, okay? In fact, in Winton, where I went for the filming of the Dinoskeptic film, which is due for release next month, stay tuned, the official final film, that is, they actually promote their dinosaurs as monsters. call it monsters in the app. So this isn't even me being uh, rhetorical here. No, this is, this is not me calling their monsters monsters. They call their monsters monsters. They tell you, these are monsters. These are outback monsters. It, but it's monsters for adults. And when so I was there, you? You, you should have seen it, bro. When I was there, like I did the tours, I did all the tours, got lots of footage, took it all in, didn't try and tell a single soul there that dinosaurs are a hoax. I was so taking it all in. And I was watching these full-grown adults Full-grown adults, I'm looking at what is clearly just rocks. It's obvious that they're just rocks, man. The emperor wears no clothes, but I was seeing in wonderment, in amazement. They'd driven all this way, and they were seeing the dinosaurs, man. And you should have seen, like, how amazed they were by this stuff. And so there's money in this, my friend. So to answer your question, why the dinosaur hoax? Broadly speaking, on a bigger level, it helps all the other nonsense narratives, the other creation narratives. Because science gives us the evolution creation narrative. It supports all of that. But on a smaller scale, the people doing the legwork today, just making money, man. And there's a lot of money in it. Sure. I'm tempted to open my own dinosaur museum. The people that are, that are continuing on with it are obviously there for the money. But the, the people that generated the hoax in the first place, they didn't need the money. In fact, it must have cost them money to, to get it all rolling. I'm going to suggest to you that their purpose is to separate people from the Bible. From the idea, but the Bible's of a hoax. That's the big problem with your your version of events. The Bible is itself a hoax. So why is your view that the um, Bible is a hoax? Because I looked into where this book supposedly came from, and so what I discovered it shook me to the core of my miserable soul. Are you familiar so with names like the, Constantine Tischendorf? Does this name ring a bell to you, Constantine no. Tischendorf? But is there a specific part of the Bible that you know to be false? Well, what do you mean, no, to be false? Firstly, there's many different versions of the Bible. But I'm, talking, I'm just talking about what's in the Bible. I'm talking about the Bible itself. Where does that come well, from? Let, let's just say a KJV. Is there a particular aspect of the Bible that you are certain is false? I'm not saying that it's false. What is true or false? There's many different versions of the Bible. One version might say something and one version might say another. But I'm talking about where did this book come from and where did it come from? Well, based on what I can gather, the inference that I've made from the evidence that I've seen, it was created in the 1850s. It was just written in. And then okay, but, so passed off as being is, some ancient text by very clever so tricksters, possibly. Is the biblical... So my, my point that I made, regardless of when, when the Bible was written, the point that I made was that dinosaurs are there to distract people from the biblical model, to separate them from the biblical model, to, if you like, disprove the Bible. To make, yeah, to I make, understand your perspective. So the Bible that I understand. So I'm asking you a question, regardless of the genesis of the Bible, which seems to be. Can I use that? Can I copyright that? The genesis of the Bible. Can I ask you which parts of the Bible, if any, you are certain are false, and why? I'm not making any claims as to the truth or falseness of the Bible, other than Matthew seven six is, I think, good advice. So. If you're trying to get me to say, oh, this particular passage is false, that's not... I didn't bring that up at all. I'm talking about where okay, the Bible so came from. And if you look at where the Bible came from, back. the Bible is in fact a hoax. So let's track back then. Period. 
so what I've said to you before is that I think that the the point of the dinosaur thing is is nothing to do with money because the guys who run the show have all the money and resources at their disposal that they want. Money well, these is, people in Winton don't have all the money. Tourism, sure, sure, but, and that's 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 the motivation for them perpetuating the hoax. I've got no problem with that. But the creation of the hoax in the first place, those people were in the position of power and they've done it. And they've done it for a reason. Your view is that they've simply done it for more money. My view is that they've done it to provide a stark contrast and to ridicule the Bible. Now, the next comment you made is the Bible is a hoax and, and presumably your idea that the Bible is a hoax is simply the genesis of the Bible is a hoax. What I'm asking you is, if the Bible is a hoax and a hoax book, which parts of the Bible, no matter how it's created, are false? No, but you're misrepresenting given, what I'm saying. Given, You've now done that three that, times. So now I'm starting to question your motive on this particular well, part of well, the Bible. So, so part, I've explained to you what I mean when I say it's a And now you're misrepresenting what I'm saying. So are you doing that intentionally? No, no, I'm... I'm, I'm because I'm casting pearls of wisdom before on, you and now you are... You, in them. Before you start accusing me of anything... I have restated you clearly what I think you're saying and I'm now, without interrupting you, giving you the chance and the opportunity and asking you to clarify to me what you are truly meaning. So please don't suggest that I'm trying to misrepresent you. I am reflecting I'm telling back you you're misrepresenting you. me. So I'm now okay, wondering so if you're doing it intentionally or not. I'm not the fact that you're misrepresenting me, that's a fact. Now I'm trying to work out why you're doing that. Okay, now if this is an error, if you are in Hold on, hold on. Please tell me how I've misrepresented you. I'm telling you the Bible is a hoax in the sense that if you look at where it came from, it does not come from thousands of years ago. It was written in the 1850s. That does not mean that I'm saying that what is contained within the Bible is true or false. That's a different question. Now, hold now on. there are parts of it that I agree with. There are parts now, that I agree with. Matthew 7 one, 6, right, we're seeing it play out right now here. in this very moment, very meta as we speak. Let's stop at the second because if we, when you hear this tape back again, I will say to you clearly clearly that you are saying that the genesis of the Bible is a hoax, and I have no problem with that. Good, so we're in agreement. There's no need right. for argument. So don't, please don't say that I misrepresented you. I did not, and I would like you to now withdraw your statement. No, if you're trying to say that when I say it's a hoax, I'm saying that it's That is, in fact, a misrepresentation. It's not what I'm saying. Okay, so the point I'm making now is, and, and I think it's now clear to everybody, what you're saying is the Bible and the genesis of the Bible, the if you like, the story of how the Bible came about is a hoax, yes? Correct. But you have no argument at this stage, as far as you know, with the, with the Bible. You, you have no disproof of the stories contained in the Bible. Is that correct? I'm not saying that the stories are true or false in this conversation, no. In okay, fact, I'll okay, give you an example of where I think some Matthew said. Okay, so the point, let me go back to the point that I made earlier. Do you, are we now in common agreement about the Bible? Firstly, that well, it's a hoax. Us, so, do you agree with me about that? The Bible is, in fact, a hoax. Well, I don't know that. All I, all I know is that the Bible, I have yet to disprove it on any issue, and I think you're in that same state. Is that correct? I haven't inspected the claims of the Bible enough to say that this is true or this is false, but I can give you examples of wisdom or ideas contained within it that I happen to agree with, such as Matthew okay, 76. So but this does not change the fact that the Bible is a hoax, period. It, the genesis of the Bible, the story about how the Bible came about is a hoax, but the Bible exists. You know, I can pick up the Bible and hold it in my hand. Let's be I want to be technical here about what you're saying. 
Well, now we're starting, because I think the conversation was very interesting up until about but it, seven but or eight minutes ago. So to me, it still is because Why don't you just cut to the chase and get to the heart of the matter? What are you trying to communicate well, like to point, me? The point that I made to you before was that I think that the story of dinosaurs, its sole purpose was to distract people, to ridicule the Bible, to provide a story which says the Bible must be false because there were dinosaurs. Well, you may well be correct about that. That is quite possible. Because what they could have done is they could have put out two false belief systems, one that we now call science and one that we now call Christianity. But ultimately, the two sides became a hoax. That's very possible to me. And it does seem as though that's the way the world bears out today. You'll generally see people falling into one of those. They either believe the stories they're given through so-called science or they believe the stories they're given through the so-called Bible. Generally, most people will do one of those two things, either consciously or subconsciously. So what you're suggesting, if I understand it correctly, to me seems quite plausible indeed. So the point, I, I just want to clarify this with you, okay, so that when you say the Bible is a hoax, right, you are not saying that the text and the stories contained in the Bible are, to your knowledge, incorrect or you can disprove them. Is that right? I'm not making those claims yet, no. But I'm also okay. not claiming or giving the implication I'm saying is in the Bible no, as a whole a, it's a, is, it's uh, a different is true. Thing. But, but what you're saying I don't even know a lot of what's claimed in the Bible. I've never sat down and read it from start to finish. So sure. I, how could I but, sit here and say that it is necessarily uh, true or false? There are sections that I've read which resonate with me. But then okay, there are also so sections that maybe might not resonate with me. It's a personal matter. What's not personal is the, the fact that the Bible is a hoax. Period. At this stage, you have not disproved any of the stories or words of the Bible, yeah? I've neither proven nor disproven any of the stories in the Bible, certainly not in this conversation, no. Well, I'm going to argue that you're never going to be able to prove anything. You can only disprove them, but that's that's straight out of... Um, well, now we're getting into a matter Karl of semantics. Popper. Mm. But, but now, the, now we're up to about 10 minutes of this of this sideways tangent, which I don't I think know, is... Uh, well, to you, it's, to you say it's a, a, a tangent, John, but, but I think other listeners will agree with me. We will know that when we hear the comments that they make. You're saying, when you say the Bible is a hoax, people, you know when you talk about people not understanding what you're saying and why they get... Oh, I think people will understand. I've now explained it to you three or four times. So this is... Yeah, I, I agree. Joke at this it's, point. it's taken several attempts to get that and, you, and you're getting quite narky about it. Oh, why yeah, time, my time is very precious, Frank, and I think your time ought to be precious as well. So why are we wasting it going around in figure eights? Why are we doing that? I... I I haven't wasted the time at all. I've I've found very You're wasting my time, Frank. You're going around your figure eights. Oh, we I'm agree sorry, that the Bible John, is a hoax. I, I simply when you when you ask why I think you're saying the Bible is a hoax. Would you like not me to explain to you why I'm saying Actually, that? You're not you're not saying the Bible is a hoax. You're saying the story about the genesis of how the Bible came about is a hoax. They're two different things. See the problem with you, John, is you do not concentrate on the technical aspects of the words that you say. And so in that way, you mislead people. And I take okay, umbrage That's, that's your that. opinion and you're entitled, you're entitled to that opinion. That's, I disagree with you about that. That's okay. There's no point wasting any more time on this because this is not about me. The Bible hopes is it not is about, about John you. This is about you and the way you speak and the you way... You want it to be about me. You're it is about to you. another hour of Fakeologist Audio Chat. It is absolutely about you. Right. You're listening to Fakeologist Radio. I've got Frank from Geelong. We're having a conversation at the moment about the Bible, but I hope to move it beyond that in a moment. But we've also got a number of other people 
here on the chat with us who may or may not still be listening. So, Velasquez, are you still with us? Gone I'm anonymous. still here. I was, I was going to do the back announce after Jennifer's spell, but uh, you jumped in too quick. Well, uh, we, sometimes we need a, a moderating influence because it's easy for a conversation to get sidetracked, Velasquez. So, um, for the benefit of the listeners, I'm sure there's where they are. What do you have to say about all this? Is it time to move the conversation on? I agree we should move the conversation forward. I'm, I'm on the edge of my seat, interested to hear where, where it's going. And I, I'm sitting here going, like, these, bi- these guys both do agree. Like, I, I get that the Bible has only been fabricated uh, in recent history, but I also agree with Frank that there's a lot of interesting stuff in the Bible that can be applied to uh, things that are going on in the world today. So I want to see where that goes. But we, I agree on that too. I keep explaining that. So I think, let me tell you what I think is happening, and I'm happy for Frank to respond. I think, Frank, and many people don't like hearing me say that the Bible because to them, there is truth in the Bible, so the idea that it did not come from thousands of years ago is offensive to them. They like the idea that this text is ancient. So when I say, no, the text, regardless of the truth that is in the book, regardless of that, this book is only 150, 170 years old, that is offensive to them, which is why they take issue with my use of the word hoax because they know hoaxes to be untrue, and I'm saying the story of where the Bible came from is, in fact, a lie. It's not true. It's not thousands of years old. It's a hoax. So, so, so let me so say... It's, it's, it's a matter of offence. It's a matter of offence. They take offence to what I'm saying, and I understand that offence because this book is so important to them. And so it's an emotional thing. Cat- categorically, that I, have, I take no offence to your idea that the Bible was written 150 years ago. No problem to me at all. Excellent. And I have no problem with you seeing the, the book, what's in the book, as being true. It, it is true to you. You tell me that that book is true to you, then that book is true to you. That it's is quite your... different to what I'm saying, John. I'm saying that I have not disproved any aspects of it yet. Have you tried? Sure. How have you gone about disproving it? Oh, right, well, the, first, it the first example is the discussion at the very first part of it where it says that, the, that there was a firmament created. So how did you go about disproving that? Okay, so I thought about, well, it's ridiculous. How can there be a firmament? You know, because we've got all these stars in space and astronauts going to the moon and all that sort of stuff, and there's a a sun 93 million miles away. So how can there be a firmament? Then I realised, of course, as as I write in my blog, that it's impossible to have an atmosphere in the Earth in intimate contact with a near perfect vacuum. For us to have an atmosphere there must be a containing vessel. And the details of... I, I go into that explanation... In yeah, so how do you try and disprove what's in the Bible, though? You haven't explained that part. Well, that's the first part. The very first, the very first, most ridiculous comment in the Bible is that over our heads, there's a vaulted ceiling. So now, you're saying that you do disagree with the Bible, then? I'm saying that there has to be a firmament. Now, no, no, but how did you try and disprove that? How did you try and disprove what's in the Bible, though? You haven't explained that part yet. All my life, I, I assumed the Bible was untrue because there's no firmament. But then it turns out there is a firmament. The Bible is the only book that claims there's a firmament. Okay, but he's not explaining how you tried to disprove it, though. Every aspect thereafter, I've tried to disprove. Of course. Cool. So how did you try and disprove the firmament? I just told you. I've, I've, I've tried to disprove it, but I can't. But how did you try? The, the only explanation of... How can I try? Like, I, I'm happy to try and disprove that there's a feminine. How would I go about doing that? How, how, how do I as a person disprove the idea that there's a feminine? I would love to know how to do this. I can document it. I can make money making videos to prove the feminine, if that's in fact possible. 
But I'm not sure it is possible to disprove there's a firmament. It's a notion, it's an idea, it's a concept. But how do you disprove that concept in physical reality? I can't go high enough to the sky. Can you? No, you can't. So how do you disprove this concept? Exactly. How do you disprove a firmament? But everyone is saying that it can be disproved because we send rockets to the moon and there's, there's the sun and there's... Well, I'm not claiming that. That has nothing to do with me. But you're saying that you can disprove, you've tried to disprove it, but how can you try to disprove something that cannot, in fact, be disproved because it's a concept rather than an explanation of physical... But hold on, hold on. A firmament can be disproved. How? It it must be there to go and touch it. It must physically be there. Where? Where is it? It's over our heads, John. But we can't go up there to touch it, can we? If it exists or not, we can't go and test it. How do you know? Why can't we? Because we can't fly, Frank. I as, a human, I, as a human, I as a human cannot fly into the sky. Uh, yeah. I just don't have that capability. And neither it do you, must, I'm afraid. It must have a boundary. It must have a boundary on the, on the ring of the earth, mustn't it? Yeah, there's, there's some place beyond our limits that you're claiming to exist. And in that sense, you're no different to me than NASA. You're both claiming that there's some place that I can't go to, but it must I'm exist. Not, I'm not suggesting it's beyond your limits at all, John. Was well, apparently beyond your limits because you can't explain to me how you tried to disprove it. You didn't fly there, you didn't fly there to touch it, you didn't sail there to touch it, you didn't row your boat there to touch it, you've never touched it, and you've never been to the place where it's supposed to be to see if it's there or not. So you haven't disproven it, you can't disprove it, it can't be disproven. In that sense, it's a story. Now, if that you, story makes you happy, your, your that's view cool is that it to can't me. be disproven. No, you told me it can't be disproven, those are your words. I said I can't disprove it. I, the fact that we have an atmosphere demonstrates that there must be a barrier holding the atmosphere in. I go through the details of my blog. We, we cannot have an atmosphere without a barrier. Okay, well, you're making claims to me, but I don't explain how you've tried to disprove what's in the Bible. Well, that's okay. That's okay. I, I, how, about the, make, how about the flood? I, I how go do I through the details. The how do I, I disprove the, the flood? If the, Bible, if the Bible claims that there was a great flood and uh, that a man put lots of animals on a boat, if that's yep. what the Bible claims, how yep. do I go about disproving that particular story? And you can't, can you? Just like I can't disprove that NASA sent men to the moon and drove around in a dune buggy. How do I disprove? I can't go to the moon because this physical place does not exist for me to go there to prove that it exists or not. So how can I go there to disprove it? I can tell you right now, men did not drive dune buggies on a real physical Earth or an Earth-like moon. Did not happen. It's a hoax. I can tell you that. But how do I prove or disprove something? How do I prove or disprove it? You, so what you do, it's called the theory of contradiction. So you look at the, the story that NASA gives and you follow down its logical path until you come to a point of contradiction. And at that point of contradiction, you've disproved it. In the case of the story NASA tells about how they get to the moon and so on and the arithmetic that they use to do it, you quickly come to the point where you demonstrate that the story collapses on itself, that the arithmetic doesn't support their story. So the story of flight What if the, the arithmetic moon, did support their story, though? What if it did? It, but it doesn't. That wouldn't, change, that wouldn't change the fact of the matter that the moon landings are a hoax. I can look at that footage and I can tell you, this is not real. This is fact. These men did not walk me, on the so-called moon. I don't need you, ask me how, you ask me how it can be disproved. That I'm just telling you how it can be disproved. Every story so has... But is your firmament spherical or is it like a dome on a flat earth? It's, as far as I know, the Bible is out like a tent. Mm. So how do you explain the fact that there are two celestial poles, two different points in the night sky? Many, many people. The... 
Many, many people have already explained that, John. And, and I'm you asking know, you to explain it. Do the research. That's that's of you. I, I just have. Well, you're the one who brought all of this up. So you I tell never, me, how ex- do you... I never brought anything up about celestial stars. And no, you brought I'm up the firmament, and this is obviously an element of the firmament, isn't it? This, these two matters go hand in hand. The reason that you see people have explained the reason why you see all. Why don't you explain it? I'm here to learn. I'm trying to learn here. How, how do you explain two celestial poles, Frank? You, there's only one celestial pole. You're seeing a oh, reflection. A reflection. Yes, it is. That's all you're seeing. You're seeing a reflection in the firmament of the of the stars when you what you see is the sky. How could I disprove that notion that you just gave to me? Go ahead, and once you do disprove, so how how would I do that? You're saying, oh, it's a reflection. So I can see one set of lights. I can see another set of lights. You're saying that it's one set of lights. This is inherently absolute. One set of lights reflected off the firmament. That's right. Yeah. So I can see one set of lights down here in Brisbane. I fly to the so-called Southern Hemisphere, and I can see the lights operating in a different way. And you're saying, oh, it's just you can see two different sets of lights, but it's the same set of lights. This is absurd. Why is it absurd, John? Because you're, you're denying reality. You're, you know, you're denying John. reality because you don't agree John. with it. I've made a very simple claim, and so you should be able to disprove that very simply. You've already told me that it can't be disproven, so now you're contradicting yourself. The reason it can't be disproved, John, is because it's correct. Can it be disproved? Well, you would, you would notice that if I said it was a reflection, you would notice that the motion of the stars was not in coordination in the northern and southern hemisphere. So, okay, then I've come up with an idea. What if I was to do a time-lapse photography of the southern celestial pole rotation and yeah. then compare that with the same idea in the northern hemisphere? Yeah. What if I was to notice that the stars themselves are not reflections of one another? Okay, so the very, what interesting that thing is, the very interesting thing is that that discussion has already been done, and that was the point I was trying to make to you. If you look at, there are programs which show the movement of the heavens. Um, you know, of the I'm talking about programs. Hemisphere. I'm talking about the very light reflections. If they're well, reflections, then I'm shouldn't just they be saying a mirror? To you that you'll, you'll observe that the movement of those two star, sets of stars, if you like, are in coordination. What does that mean in coordination? I'm saying, are they going to be well, an actual mirror words, of each other? It, yeah, they're a reflection of each other, yeah. So if I see a set of stars making a circle around one pole, I will see the mirror of that in the northern This is your sure. testimony to if, me. If, if that's what you see, if that's what you think you see, yeah. No, I'm asking you, is that what I should see, according to your suggestions here? It's not my suggestions, John. I'm just telling you what people have demonstrated that it can be done. Okay, then so hypothetically, hypothetically, if I did this myself, if I took time-lapse from Brisbane and then I took time-lapse from Chicago and mm-hmm. I noticed that the circles were going around opposite, one clockwise, one anticlockwise, yeah. but, but the stars themselves making these rotations did not, in fact, mirror one another. They were different sets of stars, different patterns, different colours yeah. even. Would that yeah, disprove your theory? I think so, absolutely. Well, now we're getting somewhere, you see. Now we're getting somewhere. Because guess what I can do? I can take time-lapse footage here in Brisbane. I can fly to Chicago, take time-lapse footage, and we can see. Now, let me tell you something, Frank. If I discover that, in fact, it is a, a mirror of one another, that the rotations, okay, one is clockwise, one's anticlockwise, but the stars themselves are the same patterns, you know what I would say to you? I would say, I think you might be right, Frank. This might be a reflection. Hallelujah, brother. However, if I was to show you that, in fact, these stars are different patterns, would you, in fact, renounce your belief in flat Earth? Yes. Well, now we have made serious progress. 
You see, because I'm not invested. Let me tell you, Frank, I could make a lot more money as a flat earther than I do as a skeptic, okay? Skepticism, people hate it. People love stories, they love belief systems. I'm the person who destroys the stories and the belief systems. This is not a very lucrative business. But if I became a flat earther, oof, boy, I would be, uh, I would be rolling around in cash. It'd be great. So if, if what you have just told me leads me to flat earth, then this is, I think this is fantastic news. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to discover that the patterns are different. And then when I show this to you, we will see how you react. But I think most flat earthers will react with some other obfuscation or changing of the story. And the reason I say this is because I've seen this so many times. It's called moving the goalposts. So I will set goalposts. I will kick a goal through the goalposts. And then they will move the goalposts just as the ball goes through. And I'll say, hey, that's cheating. And they'll say, no, no, you're wrong, JLB. You're the bad guy. I'm like, no, you're moving the goalposts. So let's well, see if the goalposts are moved once again, because I've so had so many flat earth arguments. I'm probably the world's leading flat earth skeptic. By a long, by a long stretch. If you see that they are a reflection, will you be happy? I'll be happy. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be calling you and saying, Frank, bro, have, some, have the best Chardonnay you can find on ice when I get to Geelong, because we're celebrating, baby. This is going to okay. make me a lot of money. A so lot of money. Can... Yeah. But if the, I'm telling you right now, this is probably not going to happen. What's probably going to happen <laughs> is that I'm going to see different patterns and you're going to have some excuse ready to go and so will the other flat earthers. I've, look, I've got and, no and let me tell you why. Let me tell you John? Flat earth can be a beautiful thing to believe in. It gives you a sense... Because we know the NASA story is bullshit, okay? The spinning ball earth is, in fact, a hoax. You know that. I know that. Many of the people listening to this know all of that. But what are we left with in its place? We're left with mystery and wonder. Well, since we were children, we have had no mystery in one. We've had answers. We've had a firm understanding of where we are. Even when it was wrong, at least it was firm. Well, now that's gone. What do we put in its place? Some people do what I do and they say, well, I just don't know. Well, I can give you as a model, that's all. Physical reality itself, I can't get far enough away from it to see it with my own eyes. All I can do is give you a model. That's not enough. They want a story and Flat Earth is that story and it feels good. And once you're settled on that, very hard to shake that. It takes a very strong intellectual honesty and desire for truth to let go of flat earth once you've let flat earth into your brain i'm afraid well again i can only make the the point that i always make with you john that for everything you do in your personal life you assume the earth is flat now you may not you, you keep, may you not keep, believe you keep it. telling me that you, you no, may not believe you're wrong you may not believe it and i keep telling you you're wrong well you may not believe it's flat but you assume it's flat no i don't Okay, so you haven't. There's not a single skerrick of this earth that I believe to be flat. You haven't provided me an example of when you don't make that assumption that points of an equal reduced level lie on a flat horizontal plane. I just walk around the earth as it is. There are hills, there are mountains. I like to walk up mountains. These mountains are not flat. So what you're saying is absurd. That's not what I said. That's not what I said. You're saying that I assume the earth to be flat. Where do I assume the earth to be flat? I said that you assume. Where does this happen? That points well, why would I do such a thing? I would be tripping over and breaking my ankles all the time if I assumed the earth. Are you going to keep talking over me or are you going to listen? I'm telling you that what you're saying is wrong. It's incorrect. It's untrue. It's false. I said that the point that points of equal reduced level lie on a flat horizontal plane. That was the claim. And you assume that whether you realise it or not. No, I assume no such thing. If I assumed the earth was flat here in Brisbane, I would be tripping over all the time. People would think that I was mentally handicapped. How come he can't it's got walk? Nothing to try, do walking, with try to walk up a hill if you want to assume it's flat. It's got nothing to do with points of an equal RL lying on a flat horizontal plane. If that's what you assume, maybe you get away with that down there. 
Maybe you get away with it. But here in Brisbane, get away with it. Come to Brisbane. Come to Brisbane. You'll see. Try and and walk around here thinking that you're in big trouble. All points points that are of the same height above sea level lie on a flat horizontal plane. It'd be like walking on jelly. Like a man in Brisbane assuming the earth is flat. It'd be like trying to walk on jelly. Wobbling around all the time. In denial. You're not listening to what I'm saying and you're not refuting my claim. You're Why telling is me that, that I do things you that are I don't being, assume. You are being... That I can't assume. I can't... You are behaving like... ...this world here in Brisbane, what, assuming it's flat. What, Nobody can. Tell me you're what you're behaving trouble. like now. I'm going to make a very clear statement for you, and you can either say it's false or true. I'm going to say to you that you assume that all points of an equal reduced level, an equal distance above or below sea level, lie on a flat horizontal plane. Do you agree that you assume that or not? No, I disagree. I've already told you like five times. Okay, and so when do you when do you apply this non-assumption? What's the assumption you do apply when you dig a drain? I just observe the earth and walk accordingly. So some places are high, some places are low. I walk up a hill. I walk those, down a hill. Uh, so those points that are up are they none of these places are flat. Level? No, not not flat whatsoever. Now perhaps in the desert, in the Nevada desert. Perhaps there you can assume that the Earth is flat for that particular John, have part of the Earth. Idea what, have you got any idea what reduced level is? You don't know, do you? Explain That's to the me. problem here. Well, you're the one the telling me about these assumptions, and now you have to explain to me what the words are that I'm assuming. So this is reduced level is the word given to a point of a particular distance above or below. Doesn't it seem strange you have to you have to explain to me the words that you're saying that I assume? Can't you see how absurd this is as well? I, all I can see is that you are being... So, be, you assume things. Hold on a very second. You don't even understand what you really assume. Goodness difficult. gracious, I'm in a lot of trouble here. You're being very difficult. You're not quite sure what it is you're trying to achieve. And I'm glad because other people are hearing it as well. I'm glad you know, too. You, you, you accuse me I wouldn't have this conversation if it wasn't of important. being a shield or whatever it is. But the reason that I find you um, a person that needs to be taken to task is precisely for these reasons. Firstly, we talked about you calling the Bible a hoax. Now you're refusing to understand what is meant by flatness. You're being deliberately, what would you call it? Just you're the one talking about the assumptions I think, in my head. I think we could just call you narky. It's me not cynical, going. it's just narky and it's unpleasant. And I don't understand yet here you are. what here it is you are you're still. trying to achieve. Yeah, and yet here you are still trying to convince me that the earth is flat. I'm not so trying if, to if people hear this, job, if people I'm hear this and they hear this interaction. I'm trying to highlight other people just how ridiculous you can be when you want to be. You're not being intellectually honest at all, and I'm pointing it out clearly and succinctly, right? without fear or favour, and this is why, when you ask why people attack you, I'm attacking you now. This is called an attack. Right? I am going at you hard for these two reasons. I've just because talked about the you. Bible. I've just talked about the Bible where you said how you said it's a hoax, but yet you don't mean it's a hoax. You just mean the genesis of how it was written was a hoax. Very important technical point. Then we've talked about what flatness is. Flatness is about how the points of a particular reduced level shape themselves. Are they in a sphere or are they on a flat horizontal curve? That's what the debate is about. It's not about anything else. It's not about you being a smarty and saying, I walk up hills in Downdale. That's not what it's about. So, the reason that you're being narky is because, as I've said to you before, when I beat you intellectually in an argument, you don't like it. 
Can I respond to all of that? Thing? Of course. All right, cool. So, yeah, people will hear this conversation and they'll hear me chatting with a person who is trying to convince me that the Bible is, what's in the Bible is true and that the earth has a firmament and that the earth is flat. And they will hear me pointing out how these things are, in my opinion, not true. And then they'll make up their own mind as to whether or not these things are true. What they'll also see is that we've now spent, what, 30 minutes on this particular topic that only Frank wants to talk about. And they'll see that I've tried to move the conversation on several times. They'll also see that the conversation was more pleasant to listen to and certainly for me as a person more pleasant to participate in before we went down the tangent that Frank took it down. And they will make their own judgments about this conversation. Agreed. And I am not the least bit concerned about that because I am casting pearls. Those pearls are being trampled and I am being attacked. And this is the nature of this reality, my friend. And this will keep happening to me. This is what comes with the territory. It will keep happening to you while you are being narky. And in my opinion, disingenuous. And you're entitled to that opinion. Thank you. And then people will come and they'll say, JLB, you're not casting enough pearls here anymore. You're doing it behind your own... (laughs) We deserve those pearls. We want to trample them. Without your pearls, what are we to trample, they'll say. It's, It's just a metaphor to avoid a very clear discussion. Well, like I said earlier, maybe not always, no, but I a lot of the let's, time... Let's well, you're interrupting me again. I don't need to talk about it anymore. I've made my points, clearly. I, do you need to make any more points? Yeah, I'd like to make... I'd like to make another point. Yeah, certainly. Okay. If people enjoy scepticism, that is, looking at things, revisiting what we... Which I was doing earlier in this call, with topics to do, such as planes, how do jet engines actually look, work, what's the cross-section, what is it that we believe about these things, these sorts of things, if they like that, They'll get lots of that at johnthebond.com. And for just $20 Australian, you get access to all of the material and you get to partake in the calls on Sundays, Australian time, Saturday night, US time, where we talk about these kinds of things and more and we're never derailed. No one can come along with their agenda to derail the conversation. Each participant gets to bring their own topic and we spend some time talking about it and then we move on. There's no derailment and there's no agendas and you get access to all of that. You can even participate. For just $5 Australian a week, less than a cup of coffee. What do you reckon? I'm getting pretty good at that, aren't I? Yep. Slowly but surely. Now, Vela, said you've gone so awfully quiet. I would love now? to get... Sorry? Shall I make the noise of crickets now? Maybe. You can do that if you like. Or we can go to Vela, said who's in Sydney. Is he still with us? I'm still here. I've just been listening contently. I didn't want to interject too much with uh, an area that's a bit outside my expertise. Well, the world that you live in isn't uh, outside your expertise. You interact with it every day. So if somebody tells you that they know what's in your you have every right to say, no, sir, you do not. I know what's in my head, and I know how I interact with the world around me. And it can be that simple. But it's 11.30. It's 11.30 at night, almost time for bed, Vela set. But I don't want to wrap up the conversation, at least my part in it, on that topic, because, boy, what a snoozer. So what else do you think we should touch on before we wrap up the call? Velocet from Sydney. I'll give you a suggestion. How about the esoteric elements of 9-11? You were working on a piece to do with these kinds of things, and uh, I know that you originally wanted to get it done by September 11, which would have made sense. Can you tell us if you've made any progress on that since then? Sorry, how much of that did uh, you hear? My audio is getting a bit weird. None of it. I didn't hear a single thing. No. Just give me five seconds. I'll just move to my computer. 
Can you hear me now? Yep, two, loud two. and clear. Awesome, okay. It's a bit better on PC. My phone acts a bit buggy sometimes. Um, yeah, what I was saying was I've basically started to accumulate clips that I find relevant to 9-11. So it doesn't just have to be mainstream films. It's um, you know sort of visual material I come across on YouTube and just things that um, show themselves to me uh, while I'm researching this stuff. So I've spent it's about a month now just basically curating all these clips and cutting them and getting them prepared to put into one final project. So I haven't finished the project part of it yet, but I've got all the clips, all the different bits I want to include all lined up and ready to go. So when I have a chance to sit down and finish that, um, I hope at the end it'll be about a half hour visual representation of all the esoteric elements of 9-11. And I don't know who it's going to be of value to. Like, I don't think it's the kind of thing you're going to show to... Um, you know, any kind of normie to make them aware of some of this stuff. I think for most people, they just write it off as coincidence. But for me, I think it's a value in this scene for people to look at it and see how many connections there are. And for me, it's enough to disprove that this is all just uh, by chance. Is there a part of you that still thinks that maybe this is all so-called coincidence and uh, and maybe you're reading too far into it? Does that thought still go through your mind? Well, John Bonet Ramsey LeBon, I mean, since all this horrible stuff has been pointed out to me, I think maybe I'm just on the wrong track. I mean, maybe all these kids are dying and uh, I've just got some sort of mental disorder. But even if that His is the case, was I'm, prepared to, you know, I'm prepared to bathe in my disorder. I don't give a shit. Jaw blown off, yeah. 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 It's weird. I wonder it brings what it back to where we started. Yeah, I wonder what effect that would have. And we're just getting um, feedback. Are you wearing headphones or have you got us on the computer speaker? But Sorry. Mate, there's two John LeBons at the moment, which is two John LeBons, too many for most There we go. So <laughs> I wonder, say someone's new to this, all of this, I wonder what listening to the podcast by A.A. Morris would have on them. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can listen to that. And I'm not thinking, hey, may- maybe we have gone too far and, and maybe there are children in this kind of thing, but... I wonder if there are people who are new to this where that actually does plant this seed in their mind of mm. maybe I am crazy, do you know what I mean? It, it, look, even with his what he had to say, the idea was in my head for a brief period of time. It, ironically, Rollo's the guy who snapped me out of that because he's been here long enough. He goes, don't worry. Like, we've seen this a thousand times before. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. Like, I'm only new to this scene. It, there was part of me that was like, man, like maybe I've got it all wrong. Like it's it's so bizarre that we end up doubting ourselves. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm comfortable with who I am and what I believe. I don't need to be worried about uh, things being portrayed a certain way. And I think there you know, some people on Hoaxbusters suggesting that it's the Marcus Allen scenario. You know, maybe his wife found out, and it's just a a sudden turn to kind of <laughs> cover everything he's been up to in the last year. But, is that? I mean, I say that I say that jokingly, but. Uh, yeah, I say that jokingly, but I mean, there, there could be a bit of truth to that. Like, uh, it's a very long art project, if that's the case. Is is that the suggestion at Hoaxbusters that this is like um, an about face to, to uh, appease, how do you put it, appease to appease like a yeah. family member? Possibly, yeah. Well, that's an interesting suggestion. Yeah. See, part, and look, I admitted this when I left that comment on Ab's uh, very cleverly post. In the comment I said, when I was listening to those podcasts, that like I think we all sort of we are um, like intrigued isn't it enough like there's more to it than that we're almost um, draw, we're drawn to this kind of thing in a way that's it almost seems like part of our nature and someone who knows all the people that we know and 
digital. We don't really know each other. But in, in a way, we do know each other. When one person is just dishing the dirt on everyone, it's, um, there's something about it that, that seems to draw us, or at least I think it draws most of us, to, um, to listen. And, yeah, I can't sit here and judge uh, anybody who um, sort of took like a perverse pleasure from listening because I think, I think a lot of us did, including me. So, Well, I, I had not listened to A.A. Morris for a while. I mean, I listened back in the early days like yourself and then uh, I would occasionally check in on a podcast from time to time if I'd sort of run low on things or new content that, to listen to. He's, um, I'm subscribed to his podcast, so I would always be there if I wanted to check in on it. And just by coincidence, I checked in during the Orbit series that he was doing, the space rocket stuff. And um, it was only in some of those episodes he started getting uh, sort of off track on yourself and Dave J. And then that quickly turned into podcasts being produced solely for the purpose of talking about all the people in this scene. And it was very easy to start listening to it and go, man, like it was a good refresher, even for me, to, to remind myself what this is like to people on the outside. And even though Lenny Posner's honor.com is um, so obviously like a controlled narrative kind of site. Um, it, is, it is an interesting refresher to remind yourself of what this is like to people on the outside. So now you've got me thinking. So if he started off uh, a few weeks ago just criticising me and Dave J, and then it escalated into criticising Chris Kendall or John Adams or other people, like if it was an escalation, then... I can't help but wonder, did he notice that when he was criticising myself and Dave J, his ratings went up? If you get what I'm trying to say. No, no, and I, now that you put it that way, I completely agree, because it was, it was never an, uh, an intended topic. It was like something that seemed to just keep cropping up uh, inadvertently under the, uh, the rocket orbit guys, and then uh, shortly after that it, it started to become a, a dedicated topic that required you know, podcast after podcast tearing everyone down in this community. Hmm, because when people put effort into it, you, you want people to engage with it. And so if you've done 200 episodes and you're noticing that the audience base isn't really picking up or you're not having the influence that you wanted to have, then maybe you, know, you, you say some things about people that you weren't planning to say and you notice starting to resonate, like people want to listen to that. There are people out there who want to hear you attack person X, Y, or Z. So then you do it again, and then you just say, people are starting to listen to this. You know, people are starting to talk about this. And then next thing you know, it just, um, well, it spirals, maybe out of control, maybe it's still in control, but it spirals, and it brings in the listeners. The listeners you always want. Well, this is how you get them in the door, by tapping into that base desire that humans have for drama and conflict. Well, he got us all listening, didn't it? Got me listening. I was yeah. keen to hear what he had to say, and uh, even if it doesn't go any further than this, it will still stand as a a well remembered uh, bit in the history of fakeologists and hoaxbusters and several of these sites dedicated to this uh, this area of the internet. Yeah, well, if, look, if I was desperate for more, list, I would probably have to look at perhaps having a scripted uh, feud with somebody, maybe somebody like yourself, where Basically, we pretend as though we're enemies, but actually we're friends, just like world wrestling, and uh, and we argue about. So we agree on everything, but then we disagree on, for argument's sake, uh, maybe say uh, mud jet flood fuel. theory. Mud jet fuel. Well, yeah, jet fuel is a good one actually, but now that's jet fuel is not that. Yeah, oh, maybe it is interesting. 
I think mud flood theory is more interesting to people. So we pretend that we disagree about mud flood theory, or maybe we do disagree about it, but we have a pretend feud about it, and that would bring in far more listeners and viewers than than my platform currently has. And that's a fact. If we, if you and I were to stage a fake feud where you go off and start your own website where you're like, JLB is a gatekeeper, he gives you 99% truth, but then he denies the mud flood theory, but mud flood theory is real, if you were to do that, you would suddenly find a huge audience, and the more that you attack JLB, the bigger the audience would get. And, uh, and I, people who claim that they truth, research, evidence, logic, no, they still love conflict and drama. Even me, even you, we still tuned into A.A. Morris, right? I'd listened to one podcast and he was saying nasty shit about me. I still tuned into the next one as well. I'm like, how far is this going to go? So even the people being attacked will still tune in. So that's the, the power of the conflict. That's, why, that's, one, that's one of the reasons why world wrestling entertainment is so mm. popular, even though people know it's scripted. It's one of the reasons why sports are popular, even though we know that they're but sometimes the umpires are favouring one team. We still tune in. That doesn't even the fact that the umpires are sort of manipulating the outcome sometimes doesn't actually take away from the spectacle. If anything, it adds to it because then the baddies are whoever are getting favoured by the umpires. Like it actually, the the corruption feeds into the narrative anyway. Wow, they won against the odds. The league mm. seemed to be favouring against them, and they still won. Right. So even when people know it's semi-scripted, they still tune in. They still love it. It's, it seems to be part of what we are. Well, the amount of people on hoaxbusters and fakeologists and, uh, you know, peace of mindful and all these that we're going to talk about it either way means that people are going to have to stay up to date. Like, I mean, I prefer to be up to date on A.A. Morris because I'm going to be doing a show tomorrow night with several Australian guys doing a fakeologist roundtable. So, I mean, it's going to be a topic of discussion. And if you want to be in the loop, you can't uh, you can't miss out on that. So... It's almost, uh, you sort of got your dead to rights to listen to it because that's what the discussion is going to be about for the next, uh, you know, couple of weeks. So is he still putting out podcasts? I haven't checked in the last oh, 24, maybe 48 hours, but the last one I saw was him saying final podcast. I haven't bothered to check back since that. What episode was that? Uh, he I stopped using numbers. Sure. He started just using names with no numbers. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, so... So episode 228 wasn't his last. He's actually been putting out like shorter things since then. Yeah, it's been a series of short. Uh, some of them are like a minute long. Others are like half an hour long, but no, not the original two-hour episode format that he had. So, uh, so the more, the I haven't stuff. listened to any of these more recent ones. been addressing the, um, like, the, the response. Because like the ones that I listened to, it seemed like that was just him talking to his microphone. It wasn't, it wasn't, responding to what had people had said to or about him as he started responding to the... I, as far as I've heard, no. Not no as yet. It's all, it's all monologue with See, uh, the current that, understanding of things. That'll boost his audience even further if he starts throwing in, well, I saw that this person said that. <laughs> I saw that this person said this. That'll just boost... That'll take it to a whole new level, won't it? Because then it becomes almost interactive in the sense that you listen to one of his episodes and then you talk about it knowing that whatever you say might... That, like, that adds a whole new, and like, am I going to be next? You know what I mean? Obviously, people like myself and John Adams and Jay Dyer, we're, not, uh, we're, we're already on the shopping block. <laughs> but who's going to be next? You know, people will be listening. Maybe you could be next, fellas. You could be next on the shopping block. 
And well, another we thing. Were, I know I that Velocet has been collaborating with JLB. And you know what? <laughs> Velocet also... And you listen to it. If I sent you a text message saying, hey, bro, get this, I went and listened to the latest Morris, and you come up, I guarantee you, you'll be more interested to listen to that call, to that podcast. Oh, no doubt. We had this discussion this morning. It's, there's been a few great chats lately on Fakeologist uh, with Dave J and a few people that are regularly there in uh, the morning Australia time. And uh, they're not usually recorded because it's one of those things where I think Dave J has kept it kind of real in the sense that we don't need to preserve this moment. Let's all learn in the moment and just leave it at that. But that's its own story. But um, yeah, besides the point, what we were discussing today was that, um, like, I mean, I would be, part of me would like to be acknowledged, like to be considered a player at Fakeologist. Like I'd like if, if I was mentioned, I'd be like, oh, well, at least I'm considered part of the Fakeologist crowd. But another part of me, it's, it's really 50-50, like part of me would be also kind of disturbed that I'd also been targeted in this and it would make me look closely at my uh, in my communication and what I'm doing on the internet, thing, you know, because I've been identified as someone who's, you know, batshit insane and uh, claiming things that, uh, you know, about Sandy Hook or whatever other hoax it is that uh, he wants to to um, have a go at people over. Yeah, but you'd still tune in, definitely. And if you said to me, yeah, if I got a message from you tomorrow morning, if I got a message from you tomorrow saying, hey, Joe, you should hear the latest uh, Morris podcast, it, he, you think he was going easy on you before? Bro, he has turned up the dial to 10 Oh, that's sweet. I'm going to have to listen to this later today. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, and who wouldn't? You know, who wouldn't? So, <laughs> it's so ridiculous when you actually think about it. And, and there is a part of you, and I'm, I'm glad that you said that. There's probably a part of you that's kind of feeling left out at the moment. It's like, you're not considered important enough to be a tax yet. So well, I made that crack at Napoleon the other night. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, he's done a few podcasts, uh, you know, right off the tail of the A. <laughs> a. Morris thing. I thought he must have felt left out. He wants to be targeted. And I mean, for me, it does like, I do, I do understand. I'm, I'm trying to be whole, you know, way. I'm trying to embrace my own personality and go, look, I, I, part of me, yeah, it'd be nice to be acknowledged, but the other part of me would be totally freaked out that there's a guy who I don't know on the internet. Like, it's okay for people I sit around here and talk to, who I know by voice and, and have a relationship with, but a guy who I don't know who's targeting me over my beliefs, part of that would freak me out as well. So, it's 50-50. Yeah, I get that, and I'm glad you say that because it's easy for just how weird it is when people attack you who've never met you. Like, I'm just used to it, and Abby's used to it, and pretty much anyone who does this for long enough. And, uh, like, success. What is to be successful in this scene? There's not... This is a very small pond, right? But anyone who reaches relative success becomes a big fish in this small pond. Yeah, you just get used to people making videos about you, making snide remarks, all kinds of things. Mm. But, but you're not used to it yet because it hasn't really started. Well, I've only done very little content production, only a few videos here and there, and most of my work is uh, audio-related on the Fakeologist stream and several other pieces I've produced for you. But at the same time, we just did that call with John Laws, and it's funny, you know, when you put a piece of work like that up, how many people are quick to come out of the woodwork and start criticising and pointing out how you should have done things better or how it should have worked or, or even just wanting clarification on your objectives so that they can set it straight in their mind. Like, I think it'd be clear to anyone who heard it that, uh, you know, my call was a complete farce, a complete joke. I, I, the whole thing was sound bites of me impersonating other people from Fakeologist. So if it wasn't obvious enough that it was a joke, it concerns me more that people come out of the woodwork to tell me how... Uh, I would be better going about 
trying to wake people up on on the John Laws show, and it's like my my objective was never to wake anyone up. I think that's a, a far stretch to be trying to do that. Yeah, this if I had to write of the main things I've learnt over the last few years from doing this would be in the top ten, maybe the top how quick people are to tell you how to do what you're doing when they're not doing it. They, they seem to get off on telling others how to do what they themselves won't do. And for the longest time, I, I took these people seriously, not realising what was actually happening. But the satisfaction that I get, for instance, if I put three or four hours into a video and I release, I get a sense of satisfaction. I've done something. Okay, I feel like I've done something. I've produced something. Here's my work. I'm telling you this is what I believe. Here's why. Now you get to decide if you like it or dislike it. I get a sense of satisfaction out of having done it, regardless of what comes beyond that. There are people who get that same sense of satisfaction from telling you how to do it. So they're not putting in the hours, they're not putting in the time, but they derive the same satisfaction just from telling you, because then in their mind it's like, it's better than doing it. They're telling someone else who's doing it anyway how to do it better. So it's not really about helping you, it's actually about making them feel good, when in most cases they're lazy, they're doing nothing. They're not calling to John Laws to show you how to speak to John Laws. They will tell you how to do it. And and once you actually understand why they're doing this, it changes everything. But it took me so long to realize, so long. Just let mm. people tell me how to do my thing, and I'm like, hold on, no one else is doing my thing. What right does anyone have to tell me how to do my thing? No one else is doing it. I, w- I wish there was a dozen John LeBron people doing what I'm doing. It would give me 12 times as many places to go and read people's comments and listen to people's ideas. It would be fantastic. I'd have something else to do on a Saturday night. Rather than having to be part of the conversation, just listen to other people's conversations. But it's not happening. So for people to come along and tell me how to do second, don't tell me, just show me. And if you're not going to show me, then don't pretend you actually care. Don't, let's just drop that pretense right now. What well, human, man. Let it just be said, if it's not clear what my objectives are here, it's to uh, to use satire and my, my audio brilliance to uh, to sort of egg people along in uh, a lot of the way I think with a lot of these things. So that's that's what I'm here to do. I don't. I try not risk. to take it too seriously. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been guilty of taking this too seriously. I made a video showed like I basically said, guys, I did take it too seriously. And and there's these people on YouTube who. They're about the same age as me. And so when we got into the, the so-called truth stuff uh, back in, what, 2014? This was back in the Jeffrey days, Jeffrey Steen. It was easy to think that this was more than what it I mean, ultimately, it's really just people having a conversation. This is not going to change. This is not going to change the way that things are. If CNN wanted to lie about children being shot at a school, then nothing you or I say or do is going to change. And um, and once you, I think once you see that, once you accept that, it's easier to to not take it too seriously. I think it's easier once you pull yourself out of this idea that any of this is going to change the world. It doesn't work that way. But when you first get here, it's easy to think, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna show them the truth. Look at this look at this father who's laughing. He's laughing, smiling, <laughs> smiling. Robbie Park is laughing, man. I thought his kid just got shot. Why is he laughing? Why is he hyperventilating before the interview? Why is he using these techniques that seem similar to what an actor would do? If he's a real dad, didn't his kid just die? Why is he laughing? Once you understand that, yeah, it is a joke, but but most of the so-called humans will never get the ever. And it's easy to pull yourself out of the But then again, man, you uh, we don't have the... I mean, could you imagine what would happen? Hypothetically, I'm not saying this is the case with 
I don't, again, I have no idea what's going on with that guy. But hypothetically, if you were podcasting and your wife didn't care, but then one day she overheard one, she didn't care. But then one day she overheard your podcast and she was horrified by what she was hearing, and she um, she did sort of threaten to leave or to or to whatever. Can you imagine how tough that would be for a guy in that situation? See me, I've got no one telling me what to do. I can do whatever the hell I want. Anytime, anywhere, I can do whatever I want. No external pressure in that sense. But there are people who have found themselves in situations where they are being told what to do by their partners or by their friends. Potentially, potentially, that would be tough, man. And I fully admit I can't really... When you're a child, your parents tell you what you can do, but at a certain point, you leave home and you, you make your own decisions. And so I don't have any of this external pressure but but i i can see how some people yeah they would they would really struggle with this wouldn't they oh it'd be not like i'm sure a morris will listen to this like he's listened to every other little tidbit that's happened uh, on this small corner of the internet so maybe do you think he's listening something he might address at some point in time do you think he would listen to this do you reckon he, I, i'm sure i'm not on the on the premise that he we won't because it'd be too much i mean He'd have too much reading to do and too much listening to do to hear response to what he's done. You know, he's sent um, ripples through the whole scene, hasn't he? He's paying but such close attention to everything else that, that's been done. Why wouldn't he be paying attention sort of when it matters most to him flipping the script? Hmm, that's a good point. Well, if, if you knew for a fact that he was listening, would there be anything that you would be wanting to communicate to him? And pardon my voice, by yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. What I'll, what I'll communicate to, to him is uh, tune in just under 24 hours from now to fakeologist.com audio chat live stream where several great Australian roundtable hosts will be joining in to commentate on the A.A. Morris series of podcasts. And we have plenty of audio and material planned for that show and we, uh, we look forward to it and I look forward to it. All right, so I won't be able to... Uh, and I don't think you guys will need me there. It sounds like you, you've got everything planned and, and ready to go to listening to this. Can you give me an idea expect expecting that, that call to take? Sorry, can you repeat that? You just broke up a bit. Yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm asking, in your mind, do you have an idea of what that call is going to, uh, like the direction or the, the angle that you're going to take with it? No, not, not specifically. I mean, I've got... Um various clips and pieces that I want to play and several of the people who have um, volunteered to come along and be part of the show, they've got specific angles that they want to talk about but I guess part of the production value is the fact that we have actually tried to refrain as much as possible from talking about it and tonight, the earlier part of tonight's conversation probably went contrary to that because we've, we've all tried to, um, to avoid speaking about it too much so our, our ideas remain fresh for the, for the night. I see. So you've been uh, holding back. You've been holding back the good stuff. You want to say? Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say. I've been. I've been very upfront um, tonight with my opinions and anything I've thrown in. But for the most part, like I already had in mind that we'd be doing another four-hour show similar to last week. So, you know, but I mean, I'm just a sound effects guy. I just play things and sort of help move the move the chat and the the satire along. I mean, it's up to our our um, panel to to have their ideas and things ready to go. So uh, from what I've heard, not many people have spoken. The people that are going to be on the show tomorrow haven't spoken too much about that. Mm, interesting. Because, you know, what you are facilitating and helping to, um, I suppose, propagate the opinions of people who are saying that no children died. 
at a school tragedy. And if if someone's jaw did get blown off, uh, that's uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty big deal, isn't it? It's a big call to make. It is, but I mean, at some point you got to stand up and stand by what you believe, right? Well, do you do you have to? You can't just float through life, never stepping <laughs> out of turn, and never trampling on uh, anybody's belief systems, and just going along to get along. And I mean, there's a saying in Chinese that basically translates to the the nail that sticks out is the one that gets hit. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, like a I'm familiar with that saying. Yeah, and I mean, maybe the Chinese stole it from English too. That's another thing to understand. <laughs> a lot of these sayings we say it came from. How would you even know unless you like looked into it? Genesis, yeah, right? Confucius say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so confuse us. I read that. I read that recently on. Yeah, on the funny thing is, Confucius he's also a hoax. Same as Sun Tzu, they're all hoaxes. And when people hear me say, say this, at first they think I'm joking. I'm just. It's like no, just look into it, guys. Just take the time. Set aside an afternoon. No, no, people are too busy to set aside an afternoon, what I call the provenance of the text. Too busy. And it's like, well, what are people busy doing exactly? What, what are people busy doing? But anyway, yeah, looking toward it. Just, um, but the point is, yeah, if you, you won't get attacked. People won't think you're crazy. People, people won't care. So maybe, you know. Well, my, my, my thing has always been, if I've got, like, some of those shows I listen back to with the sound effects and the bits and pieces, I enjoy it so much. I mean, that's what I was born to do, evidently. I mean, it's what I have a talent for. And if I get entertainment out of it, I hope someone else does. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, the best way to put some of these messages out there is just with a bit of satire. And I believe it's not, it's not going to benefit us to take it too seriously with this kind of stuff going on. There's been so much weird full moon activity going on. Uh, in these forums lately, uh, it should be good fun to uh, to have a laugh about it, and we've got a, a great panel that'll that'll do that. Can you announce some people who'll be on the? Yeah, we've yes. got Rollo from Newcastle, we've got uh, Rick from Port Macquarie, and we've got Noise Level from Perth, and uh, we were hoping to have special guest uh, Johnny Clues, who has uh, recently made a return. We're going to do a, a little half hour thing with him, but um. Still yet to confirm him as a guest, and I think Typo might be hanging around, so he might be on for a little bit as well. So we're trying to keep it sort of like a, a set panel and then just have people on for half an hour at a time. And this is becoming like a weekly show? Well, if it continues to go as well as the last one did, I mean, the, the last one was just a, a very sort of rough cut of a, an early iteration of what I'd like the show to be. So if I can continue to have the sort of creative control I do, hopefully it'll grow into something that uh, will be akin to what Rollo calls hoax busters maybe three or four years ago. Mm, I like it. I'm glad to hear it. Well, mate, it is uh, midnight here. Yeah. I've got so a big day tomorrow. You know, it's, do you want me to take you out on a song? This is this is a great uh, weekend if you are a sports ball fan, isn't it? Saturday's <laughs> big, Sunday's big, and then they give I us a public know. holiday. Then they give us a public holiday on the Monday. So, you, if you're a sports ball fan, you couldn't ask for a better weekend. And we're in the middle of right now. So hopefully the listeners can forgive me if my voice has uh, just left me for the last 20 minutes. But I've enjoyed this call. I've got to say, you've all said it's I really been very good. It's um, it went all over the place. We talked about the uh, the jet fuel. Hoax, as some people call it. We uh, spoke about technology, the effect it's having on us. We spoke a little bit about scripture, the Bible, flat earth. We, uh, what else did we cover today? Oh, we got, of course, the, the AMI's drama, the human desire for, uh, for drama and conflict and these kinds of things. Which uh, I'm, I'm saying right now, I'm not a lotto, the lotto hoax, yeah. Advertising in football. 
advertising and, and the goodwill of BHP Billiton and uh, <laughs> professional footballers eating hungry jacks. Good stuff. See, it's gone all over the place, man, hasn't it? It's been. Uh, it has indeed. Yeah, but I've excellent. got I've got a song we can go uh, we can back time out to uh, Ab's fakeologist bumper. And I just thought of this song. There was one point at which Frank and you both agreed on the on the creation of the Bible being uh, sort of you know a few hundred years ago. And uh, Frank said Hallelujah. So I thought there'd be a perfect song to take us out uh, in that regard. So I won't uh, I won't tell you what it is just yet. You'll be able to hear it. But uh, well, uh, you know, September, as you know, just before you do that, as you yeah, sure. JLB chats. I think this is going to be JLB chats number ten. I think. So um, let me just check that actually. Yeah, it is. The last one I saw was nine. Sweet. Well, this is going to be number ten, my friend. So I have to say a big thanks. To you. Glad to see it's going well. And a big thanks to you, Velocid. So to Frank. To uh, who else will be joined by? Uh, there were a few people who didn't speak, weren't there? So Rollo just cut in for a bit, but he was on the call before you got here. So thanks to Rollo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also had Fast Value was in the stream at one point, and Tom Dalpro, but uh, yeah, they didn't speak. Didn't hear from them, but uh, yeah, thanks to Fakeologist, thanks to Ab, thanks to everyone who makes this website possible. And uh, there's plenty more content like this.com, but uh, I'll leave it there. So I'll let you take us out, Vela said. I'm sure this is going to be, this is going to be hit or miss. <laughs> no worries. On the, oh, it's now the 30th, we've just passed me now. So 30th of September 2018, from Dr. Albarn at Sing Hallelujah, Frank's favourite word. You're listening to fakeologist.com, and if you wish to donate, it's only $1.19 per month to sponsor the site. You'll find that on the right-hand column of fakeologist.com. Thanks for listening, people. Have a good one. If you like this audio and want to support the site in a small or big way, please hit the PayPal donate button on the side of the fakeologist.com webpage. You can show your support for as little as $1.19 a month by subscription or one-time donation. Thank you for your support.